All right, so what we're seeing from Aggie basketball is different than what we saw at the beginning of conference play last year. Yes, both teams went 4-0 to begin. Um, and, and last year they had a great victory to start off, too, with Arkansas early on. And then they played, was it LSU and Kentucky tight? But those wins last year were grind-out wins, right? Um, not a Mike Tyson punch-out type performance that we have seen from A&M, especially in the last three games. A gritty-type win over Florida on the road, all right? The kind of you want to see from a Buzz Williams team. They dominated LSU, they suffocated Missouri, and they embarrassed, absolutely embarrassed South Carolina. They did what they had to do, and there's still a lot of basketball to be played, but at least where we are right now, it feels different than it felt a year ago because I remember that win over Georgia to start off conference play, Marcus Williams 3 to win. They just didn't look, this team looks good right now. But as we talked about right before the show, we're only two weeks removed from the Wofford game. We begin the Go Hour, which is presented by the warehouse at CC Creations. Maroon never looks so good with Maroon U. With Olin Buchanan here on Texags Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Good morning, sir. It is a good morning. It's a good morning to uh, be an A&M basketball fan. Absolutely. After that drubbing they put on South Carolina. Drubbing. It was fried chicken, man. It, fried chicken. And it never let up. Yeah, that's uh, – I was telling Richard Zane, who was in here earlier, don't mean to name drop, you know, but that uh, I was there in Nashville when A&M – uh, eliminated LSU with Ben Simmons and some of the other guys they had that was supposed to be such yeah. a great team. And A&M beat them by like 34 points. Um, this win, probably not as spectacular, even though it was by more because they didn't have, you know, South Carolina doesn't have a guy that's going to be the number one pick in the, in the, in the draft. Right. And they, uh, uh, and, and it wasn't on the, SEC tournament stage, but to watch A&M go out and just completely dismantle South Carolina, which is coming off a, a victory over Kentucky at Rupp Arena, and then to come out and just destroy them. I thought A&M played as close to a perfect basketball game as can be played. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as perfect, right? Right. I, like, you know. I mean, Tyrese didn't have his best offensive performance, right? Right. But – uh, man, you talk about nine point nine nine. You know, that's right there, right? On it the, was right as close to perfect as you can get. Yeah, it. Look, there's a lot of basketball to be played. So much basketball to be played. But I feel that this team has at least figured out who they are, uh, because last year at the same time when they started off four zero, they still didn't really know their identity. This team's defense, they, they, what they do is they take out your best offensive player. At least they've done that one in three straight games. Four, really? Four straight games. And the numbers, uh, teams are scoring less than they normally do. What are they giving up Like in the SEC play, like 62 points a game? Something a- like that. A&M? Yeah. Uh, yeah, right around, right around, right around 60. there. And now right. it's going to drop after. It's probably going to be under 60 after the 53 to South Carolina. Right. And, and their best players are routinely taken out of games. Um, and then... You don't know who – when you get 20 or more points from Marble and Dexter Dennis, you're going to win some games because you know Wade Taylor or Tyrese Radford is going to give you their offense. Uh, we've seemed to be able to count on them pretty much every game, somebody from that group. Uh, and, and then that de- and they were offensive rebounds and defensive rebounds and forcing steals, and it's just never – so I, I wanted to bring this up with you, OB, because I think it's part of what we talked about. On, Mon- on, on Friday, excuse me, 
we did the three things we want to see. I don't know if you remember yours. I, do, I don't because I can take pretty much what I always want to see is the same thing, though. Yep. Because I want to see them play you know, really strong defense. Uh-huh. I want to see them uh, avoid turnovers themselves. And then I want to see them, you know, uh, not give up offensive rebounds. So these are my three things. Okay. Okay. Tell me if we were close. All right. Dictate the tempo. Take oh. the game to South Carolina. Without a doubt. An aggressive Dexter Dennis. Uh, yeah, 13 points and eight rebounds. And But to me, that's that's like saying, you know, give me a a, a, a tall, minute bull. You know, <laughs> you're getting an ag- aggressive Dexter Dennis. Well, I, and I think I meant more offensively because he went through that drought where he was struggling to score. He yeah. has not been on a drought the last three or four Five games. of seven yep. in that game. So, And then the other thing was another guy, unexpected guy, can be a rotational player, but somebody to give you some unexpected points. And I would hate to say that Henry Coleman is that unexpected guy, but now is it two or three straight games with a double-double? Yeah, yeah. Made six of nine, had a couple of big dunks. Henry Coleman. Oh, Henry Coleman's just playing like Henry Coleman. Yeah. You know, just good basketball. You can count on him. Yeah. I think Marble's been solid, opens up everybody else. Marble has really been a – he's what this team missed last year. Mm-hmm. He's really good. And uh, he's that he's that missing link. He's the missing link. So what? Roy, uh, I keep on calling Roy Marble because Roy Marble was like a all-Big Ten player at Iowa that played for the Mavericks and is Julius's uncle. Uh so I always want to say Roy Marble. No, Julius Marble. Julius Marble. He's so, really good. So we got link. we got 14 SEC games left, right? Yeah. They've got four wins. I think the number that people were throwing out to feel comfortable to get this team in the tournament was, what, 12, 13 wins? 12 or 13. Probably maybe closer to 13. Maybe 13. So can they go eight and six? Sure they can. Can they go seven and seven? Which, by the way, is not good enough. But I mean, what does seven and seven do for this team? Put you on the bubble. Yeah, I think they could be better than seven and seven. And they got some tough, tough games down the stretch. Um, I understand that's how you know everybody's going to start looking at it. Okay, what do you got to do now? How many? What this what makes what makes this team good is they came into SEC play with their backs already against the wall, and they responded and they've responded, and I think. It's the old coaching cliche, but it's so true. And I think what's what this team has going for them right now is they're able to focus on the next game. I think when they got ranked, and, and, and you know, maybe I'm dead wrong in this. You know, you could say, okay, they were just trying to, they're still trying to figure something out. When they got ranked 24, or whatever it was earlier this year, just before they went to Myrtle Beach, I don't think this team had the same mentality yeah. about approaching things. Just Hey, we got to just take one rung on the ladder at a time. And um, so I completely understand the, the thing. Okay, let's get out our – okay, they can win this one. They can beat this thing. Okay, this is going to be hard. But they need to think about nothing. And I'm sure that's what they're doing. But the Florida Gators, who they only won – well, they beat them by what? Three, but it should have been four because they're going to have their jerseys here. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, – It was a tight game. Though. It was a tight game. Yeah. We were the better team the whole game, but it was a tight game. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so excuse me for making this comment. All right, I'm, I'm apologizing early on, but that response to the Wofford game—could mm-hmm. you imagine 
I shouldn't even say it. Go ahead. Had A&M football responded to App State with that kind of a, you know what I'm saying? Like, because that, that can be a, the Wofford game, you can go a couple different directions. You can put your, we're just not very good. And we start losing a bunch of games. Or you can say, you know what, let's go. Let's take everybody out and let's take them out early. Well, you know, A&M responded by beating Miami and then beating Arkansas. Yeah, they did respond. And then. I wouldn't say the spectacular fashion no, it, that we've it, seen from it, this, though. No, not, not at all. And we thought that they had, we were hopeful that they had gotten everything figured out. And then, you know, things went south and startful. So you know what yesterday was, right? Yesterday was uh, Sunday. Uh, January the 15th. Oh, yeah, the uh, draft day thing. January the 15th. Well, no, that's today, I think, right? Okay, yeah, it's, it's normally January 15th, but since it fell on a Sunday. Right. Okay, what else is it? Okay, so do you, do you remember what happened on January 15th, 1999? Man, I don't remember what happened yesterday. I bet you'll remember this. Can we show this uh, on the uh, screen? Oh, yeah, yeah. Varsity Blues in theaters 24 years ago today. Um, I got an email over the weekend to remind me that, you know, one of its big stars, Olin Buchanan, Who's not in the picture? Interesting. Yeah, can you believe they wouldn't put me in the trailer? I mean, I'm sorry, not the trailer on the poster. Yeah, wow. I can believe it. That happened. Yeah, <laughs> Jared, do you, did you see it the day it came out? Uh, I went. To, they had a premiere in Austin. Uh-huh. Red uh huh. Red carpet. No. Oh. Uh, and uh, you know, you had to get invitation, and so uh, I took a, a blind date to it. Okay. And we had a great time. Yeah. Yeah. Blind. And, the, and that. And that yeah, she couldn't see. No, she wasn't. It wasn't that kind of. And so hold on. <laughs> that's why she said she had a great time. She couldn't see. It. No. Uh, so I took a blind date. It was set up because I wasn't dating anybody. Mm-hmm. And, and I was saying, man, I don't want to go this by myself. And someone said, hey, I know somebody. And she was wonderful. She really was. And we had such a great time that 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 relationship probably lasted three weeks, six weeks. Okay. Oh, there you she go. Twice as much. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Varsity Blues making dreams happen back in 1999. All right, let's go around the room and say hello. We go behind the glass. Nick Savage is uh, working the uh, desk. Good morning, Nick. The desk? I don't know. Director's chair. It sounded newsy. Yeah, it is. How are y'all this morning? You know, you correct me a lot. No. A lot. Not really. If you go check YouTube, they'll tell you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot. I guess that's that's my thing now. At least Richard Zane has the... uh, He'll send me a text on, hey, man, you said that name wrong, or it's actually 1989. This is Nick. You're wrong. Fair enough. Good morning, though. I applaud you, Nick. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Obi. <laughs> um, but hey, that you know that that game on Saturday, it was like I I couldn't stop watching it, even though like it was such a you know big blowout. You're like, okay, yeah, whatever. I got I got other things to do. But then I was like, no, I want to keep watching because they're scoring just constantly, can't stop it. I, there was a stretch there where I don't remember. It was like at the very tail end of the first half where they were just. Train three, or not trading three pointers, but they just kept hitting three after three after three, and it was, it was something. So hopefully they can keep up this momentum, and and I guess the real test is gonna start here in this next few stretch of games. Real, real test, guys. I'm I'm, so, I'm 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 talking coach speak. The real test is Wednesday because it's the next game. The next game. The test after that is Saturday. That's right. But we got to get through Wednesday first. Got to get through Wednesday first. Nick, who's with you there? This is Elizabeth right here next to me. She's going to be helping out with the radio show. That's Kay, yes, not Kay. Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Um, but, yeah, this is Elizabeth. She's uh, from Smithson Valley, New Braunfels, Texas, uh, freshman at A&M, oh, She's right? a ranger. Yep, yep. 
She's a ranger. So I've covered some of those ranger games back in the day. Is there a high school in Texas you haven't covered? Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah, you know, a lot of them out in West Texas. And okay. The Valley. But in the central Texas slash, you've got them all. Well, there's been some new ones since, you know, that popped up. There's been so much growth. Right. Right. But like, like Rudder. I've it, never covered a Rudder. I never covered yeah. a Rudder game either. Huh. I've, I've watched one. Rudder Ranger. Pardon? Those are my guys, Rudder Rangers. I, co- oh, I did play-by-play for them this past right. fall. Oh, that's right. That's right, buddy. All right, let's go to the news and social center. Kay Nagley. Kay Nagley. Good morning. morning. Dak well, Prescott jersey, huh? I know. I just felt like, you know. Turning something over? Extra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could say that. Did you have turnover for breakfast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always going to make the jokes about Dak. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm hyped for tonight's game. So I was just like, you know what? Taking the Dak jersey to work today. So, who do you trust to have a better game tonight, Thomas Brady or Dak Prescott? Listen, I think we know who's Mister Reliable once playoffs start. Unfortunately, but you know, I have faith, so we'll we'll see how it goes. I've got I, look. I've always been a big fan of Dak. I actually have a Dak jersey. Um, I was happy that the Cowboys drafted. I think he's a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. But I have to admit, when the I go into a game thinking, okay, how bad is he going to screw up today? You know, what are going to be the dumb plays that he's going to make? He's going to make some outstanding plays, but what are the dumb plays? He made none, I don't think, against the the commanders. But when the Cowboys get in the red zone, I start expecting an interception. And that's a bad place to be. But that has been the last part of the season, not necessarily – Early on when they were no, no, I can, I can you know, all year. No, I'm talking about career, career. Okay, yeah. Now, now th- that's and that's unfair because if he if you throw ten touchdown passes, you know, especially from inside the ten and one interception, it seems like you always remember the interception, right? So I'm probably being unfair, but I just assume that something's going to go wrong with that. Okay, why don't you uh, hold on to your news for the next segment since we're getting close to the uh, to the break here, and we'll, we'll come back with you. By the way, we're on YouTube. We're on the CW. We are on TexAx.com in the zone this morning, so good morning to all of you. We'll uh, be chatting with you throughout. And uh, Bailoso, apparently, it's his birthday, so uh, con- happy birthday and enjoy that. Right now, we're talking Millican Reserve. Farm-to-table community in College Station, homes, trails, wide open spaces. Their mission is to build a healthy community around nature. Just drove by there yesterday. We were coming back. Uh, we went to Brenham for a little bit. We took the back way back. We drove right by Millican Reserve on our way back, and it was nice to see it. Uh, it's just such a great place. People li- love to go hiking there, biking, canoeing, kayaking, you, you name it. They've got 30 miles of trails and homes that connect families to nature and to each other. And if you haven't been out there for a Sunday afternoon or been out there for evening yoga, you should go check it out. It is such a wonderful experience out there. Um, they've got all the animals you can imagine, white-tailed deer, songbirds, rabbits, and turtles, you name it. They have it all out there at Millican Reserve. The website is millicanreserve.com. Again, that website, millicanreserve.com. Tell everybody who it is, Obi. The Stones. Rolling Stones. The Stones. Fred Nicholas Barney. Jagger. Uh, it is Tech Radio. We are presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. So, Kay Nagley still with us at the News and Social Center. Thank goodness. Kay, we didn't get to the news, and I know we got some text messages. One of them... It's a picture, but can you kind of describe what JW is trying to show us in this one? So OBCs. Yeah, so it's a picture of, um, why am I forgetting his name from Yellowstone? Um, like the main character. John Dutton. 
No. No. Um, That's rip. 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 Yeah, rip. rip. I don't know um, Rip. And it says, I need you to take Dak to the train station with a picture oh. of Jerry Jones oh. next to him. And then it's them in a car taking Dak to the train station. So. Now that's a little extreme. That's a bit extreme. But uh, there are times I will say that, like against the Packers, when the Cowboys had a chance to go up, I don't know, fourteen zero or something like that, and Dak throws an awful interception. I, then I was, oh, I'm I'm good with it. Take him to the train station. Right. But um, yeah, he's a, he's a frustrating quarterback because you see him do really well, and you know maybe for most of the game, but it seems like when. When you need him the most is when he let, let you down. OB would, and again, Cowboys are your team. Yes. But I know you love Mike Evans. I do. So I remember when my, my favorite player growing up was Charles Barkley. Okay. All right? He was playing for the Suns, and my Rockets were trying to win a championship. I wanted for Charles to score 30 points, have 20 rebounds, and for the Suns to lose by 20. Yes. That's what I wanted. Yes. Would you like to see Mike Evans have 200 yards receiving, but the Cowboys win by 24 points? Yes. I thought so. But, and I'd like for the Cowboys to be up big early, so then – They have to throw to Mike? Yeah, well, no, what I'm saying is because then all of Mike's production comes without a lot of angst. Yeah. Because I'm like, you know, Mike – You can't root against him. I love you, Mike, but you're killing me. You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> so – Or Biggs. All right, Kay, what else we have? So, as we all know, Texas a men's basketball is now 4-0 in conference play with an absolute stomping of South Carolina on Saturday, 94-53. The Aggies dominated from start to finish. It was A&M's largest margin of victory over an SEC opponent ever. Um, so, hopefully Wednesday will be packed for when Florida comes to town. Um and then, as well, women's basketball in its sixth game with just seven players. The AM's woes on the hardwood did not let up as they fell to Mississippi State on Sunday afternoon. Leading the charge was KK Green, great name, who posted a career high 18 points um, and shot an astounding 66%. However, they weren't able to get it done. They will now head to Tuscaloosa this Thursday to take on Alabama. Thank you, Kay. Appreciate that. So, another Aggie who made some news this weekend Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk always knew he was a first-round talent, mm-hmm. and he he keeps proving it and coming up with some clutch catches in one that. One of the best free agents in in, in NFL this this past. Has year. there been a better one? No. If I mean a thousand I, yards receiving, now they're in the playoffs. They just made. Didn't he have the 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 game-winning catch? Yeah, eight catches, seventy-eight yards, um, one touchdown, and he is just so consistent. As he goes, the Jags go. So, I, what was it? Twenty-seven zero? Is that what it was? Yeah. I mean, amazing. It's either 27 or 24-0. Yeah. But they can't, you know, I was ready to give up on them. In fact, I did, and then I, eh, I'll check I, on I, it. Check, yeah. Oh, no, it's, it's like 27-14. Okay, well, I guess it's worth watching, you know. And then they came back. And won. I, somebody, I think they put it on the Texas forum that, uh, and I don't know how they know this, but some guy had bet like a million three at halftime. Oh, I saw that, that yeah, they, yeah. To, with a chance to win eleven thousand, probably, probably thought oh, this is an easy eleven grand. You know, I'll yeah. do the and then the Jaguars come back. Somebody lost like a million three or a million four. I'm guessing. I don't know who this dude is. I'm guessing he can. Pro- I mean, nobody wants yeah. to lose a million dollars, but if you, oh, yeah, I'm going to put a million dollars. We got to have a million dollars to be able to bet. I put fifty dollars down at halftime and I lose it. It's going to stink yeah. for a year. True, no doubt about that. So uh, about that game and other games. So on Saturday, I'm watching. The Aggie basketball game at a friend's house. Okay, we were in Houston. We went to go hang out with another couple, and I was like, I gotta watch this game. And I typically hate 
watching a sporting event that I have to talk about with people. Mm -hmm. My kids are fine, wife's fine, but like we have to chit chat. Oh yeah, how's, yeah. how's school? How's work? Oh yeah, you you know you how's the backyard? You doing the pool yourself? Like that kind. Of, I don't care. I want to watch my game. I want to write my little notes and and be ready. That game on Saturday was one of those that like you could have a conversation because it was just the whole game felt the same. Turnovers, um, hitting your shots. South Carolina couldn't get anything going. 9-0 run, 7-0 run, 8-0 run. Like, that's what it felt like. So typically, I don't like to go do that, but this was a weekend where it was okay. Yeah. There was an 8-0 run to get to 12-2, and then there was a 9-0 run, and then another 9-0 run, and then a 9-1 run. This is all in the first half. All in the first half. Uh, and, and remember, it was what? It was 50-18 to 18 at halftime, and South Carolina hit a three with three seconds yeah. to go to get it to 18. There's a little momentum going into halftime. It was crazy. It, it, it was crazy. And I remember saying at halftime to my friends we were with, I was like, well, they're, they're going to win, obviously. But South Carolina will make it interesting. They'll, they'll go on a little bit of a run, get it down to 25, whatever, 22. And it's, it's going to be a blowout, but it's not going to feel the same. It never happened. It never happens. It's unlike the Missouri game, right? That right. Made, it, made it uncomfortable. And then they say, okay, we'll get this together and, and take care of it. But no, this was... This was just a complete and thorough ass-kicking from tip to buzzer. Is shellacking a real word? word? It is. Okay. Or is it just a sports word? No, it's a real word. Okay. That's a yeah. shellacking. It is a shellacking. I like it. I like it. All right, let's uh, hit a break here. We'll come back. I want to ask you a little question, OB. And this is one that our, our listeners can text on the AMB text line, 979-693-1150, 979-693-1150, AMB, a call station branch of the Amarillo National Bank. Good Texas Banking, the website, amb.com. In 2023, who is the biggest threat to Georgia in the SEC? It's probably an easy answer, but is it? Let's talk about it. All right, right now we're talking QC Kinetics. Um, you don't have to go through another year of pain, guys. You can uh, have them take right care of you. If you're tired of living with chronic joint pain, knee pain, shoulder pain, pain in your hips, pain in your back, um, I always point at you when you, I say that. You're not a pain in my back, though. I have a lot of back pain. Do you really? Yeah. Well, listen up, buddy. Uh, call them up there. Next Generation Pain Management has arrived here in College Station. They call it QC Kinetics. They are the nation's leader in cutting-edge regenerative medicine. Regenerative medicine is amazing. So it's an all-natural process um, and that uses highly concentrated healing properties from your own body, putting them directly into your achy joints to restore them and repair that damaged tissue. It has just done so much great work for all people all around the country, and now they're here in College Station. You certainly want to jump on it. I'm talking about lasting pain relief. No drugs, no surgery, no downtime. Pro athletes have been doing it for a long, long time. They've gone overseas to get it done. We can get it done right here. You can too. QC Kinetics has got over 100 clinics in America. Now they're here with regenerative solutions and get you moving again this year pain-free. So if you're sick of li uh, living with pain from arthritis or injury, call the local medical professionals at QC Kinetics for a free consultation. 979-452-6000. QC Kinetics, 979-452-6000. That's 979-452-6000. Who this? I don't know. It's, it's not ringing a bell to me. I'm kind of liking it, though. Your style of music. Is it Tom Petty? Tom Petty it is. Yeah. Doesn't sound like it does. It's a it little different, and so I didn't I didn't pick up on the voice. I don't recognize the song right away. Honey Bee. That's, that's Tom Petty. Well, we're Tex-Hags Radio. 
We're presented by David Gardner Shielders. We're here in the Rollo Insurance Studio, and it is the Go Hour presented by the warehouse at CC Creations. Old Buchanan to my left. I'm David Nuno here in studio. All right, so let's get into that question I asked. And we can look at SEC first and then look around the country. Georgia looks like they could be right back where they were, uh, where they are this year, next year, right? They could be. But who's the biggest threat in the SEC to them? And is it always going to be Alabama? Is that what we're going to say? Or is it could it be deeper than that? Well, first of all, I want to say, the, and I know this is pretty lame, the biggest threat to Georgia might be Georgia. Well, that is true. All That's right. absolutely it true. It might be, how are you going to, uh, what kind of mindset? Are you, just gonna, are you going to walk out there thinking, okay, we're the big shots now, and are you going to put the same effort Mm-hmm. Once you're on top of the mountain, that you did getting to the top of the mountain. And again, I'm gosh, I'm I'm. It's like Coach Speak Olin today. I'm, yeah, not, I'm hating myself. I like it, Coach Olin. Um, that said, but if I have to name another team, you know, the the the, the easy answer, probably the smart answer, is, is still Alabama. But that's Alabama mm-hmm. without Bryce Young and without uh, uh, Will Anderson and about. Four starters in the secondary are going to be out. I think they've lost. I think they're going to lose. If I'm not mistaken, they're going to lose four starters in the offensive line. An offensive line that has not been very good. Will it get worse? You know, or maybe it'll be on the process of getting mm-hmm. better, but it'll be in transition. Uh, Jameer Gibbs is going pro. What what a big impact he made on the team. So it was good. Um, we always rightly so expect Alabama to be really good but how can you and I you know I know that the the fanboys in in Alabama media would 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 tell me I'm crazy and they'd have an answer to this but how can you take that Alabama team that lost twice last year and say I'm going to take Bryce Young off Will Anderson off uh, part of their life branch up four offensive linemen I think Latou, of course, they got a guy transfer from Maryland already for tight end. Uh, you didn't have great receivers anyway. I'm going to take, uh, you know, all these guys in the, you know, just all these guys off the team, and be better. Right. Yeah. How are you going to do that? And they say, yeah, we replaced five stars, five stars. Yeah. Is the next guy going to be as good as Bryce Young? Is the next guy going to be as good? Well, you're telling me Will Anderson's the best player ever, right? Right. So. Even if the next guy's a five star, is he as good as Will Anderson? So, and then you say, well, LSU. I know a lot of people are high on LSU now. Jane Daniels coming back. Yeah. The last time I saw LSU playing in SEC games, they were getting drubbed in back to back games against AM and Georgia. Yep. Drubbed. Um, so I, I'm not going to be the homerific guys. Oh, it's AM. AM has way too much to prove. They got to, yeah. So that's why I come back to saying maybe it's just Georgia. Well, let me throw you some teams, and we'll, we can talk through them. Tennessee. Without Hyatt and uh, – Hendon Hooker. And Hendon Hooker. Yeah. Skeptical. Skeptical as well. Um, impressed the way they played in the bowl game, but skeptical. South Carolina, nah. No. <laughs> South Carolina is a one-year wonder and kind of a mirage, I think. Kentucky, Will Love has declared, but I think they have a lot of guys coming back. I don't think they were that good this year. They weren't. Seven wins. Yeah. Uh, Flor- it ain't Florida. Especially with Richardson gone and their $13 million quarterback that they were going to bring in. Apparently that, that blew up. It ain't Missouri and it ain't Vandy. So we go back to the SEC West. 
LSU, we discussed. Alabama, we discussed. Mississippi State, too many questions there with the changes. And and let's face it. I think Will Rogers is coming back, though. Yeah, but let's face it. They're not going to be the same without Mike Leach. Pete Golden going to Ole Miss. You know, that strikes me as Lane Kiffin repaying the debt to Nick Saban for hiring him and saving his career. Yep. He says, look, Saban said, look, you owe me one. I like this guy. I don't want to fire him. Take him. Take him. And Make Kiffin him an says, offer, yeah. says, okay. So I, That's what I think is going on there. That now, is a – probably, because I know people in Alabama were ready to move on from Pete Golding, right? Yeah. And, and people at Ole Miss were ready to move on from whoever their defense Right, they, 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 they missed D.J. Jerkin. So, so Ole Miss – Probably out, right? They're they're not. I don't see them being a threat. You can't lose your last four games in the SEC play, whatever it was. Or, or they weren't that good this year. They were that, eight and four. Is that right? Yeah, eight and five. Well, me. like we talked about, their uh, beginning to their schedule backloaded hard schedule, and they, they and got they went one in. They went one and four. Yep. Auburn. Look, Hugh Freeze has, has done a really good job recently. It's not going to be Auburn. And we already talked about A&M. So from, at least from an SEC standpoint, I think you're exactly correct. The biggest threat to Georgia as of today, right? Things have got to develop as of today is Georgia themselves. Yeah. But if you have to, if you have to, Pick if someone team. say, no, you can't, can't say Georgia, then I, you know, I'd say Alabama yeah. until somebody consistently proves that they're going to be Alabama. A&M could have beaten Alabama, could have had back-to-back wins over Alabama. Didn't. Yep. Yeah, LSU did, but that's a one-year thing. Can you can you do it again? So yeah, you'd have to say Alabama. All right, and then another one for you. Uh, let's go around the country. So it ain't USC. Michigan's got this campaign to what I forget what it's called. Oh, it's Ohio right. State. Is it Ohio State? And, yeah. and, and, they're and, replaced, they, and they almost did it this year. And they're replacing their quarterback. Mm-hmm. Who? That's funny. My son has a friend who's a big Ohio State fan, and he loves to talk college football with me. And I enjoy college talk. Uh, Talk college football with you too, Jared. But uh, and and he's always like, "Yeah, CJ Stroud's this," but kind of like the way I think about Dak Prescott, you know. And I'm thinking, uh, you're going to miss CJ Stroud. Uh, I don't know why. You know, there's the there, there's that feeling that CJ Stroud isn't, you know, a, a great quarterback. A Houston reporter um, claims he has a source that CJ Stroud is considering not going to the NFL draft because the Texans have the number two pick. Well, I, I doubt that, but I'll say this. First of all, if the Texans with the number two, if the number two pick, unless the Bears... Um, if the Bears trade... Unless, unless the Bears... Take Bryce Young. Tr- trade. The Bears are not taking Bryce Young. Right. Unless they trade it, uh, uh, C.J. Stroud doesn't have to worry about the Texans. But in this day of NIL, at least gives you pause to wonder if, if it could happen. Because Ohio State could it's be. a declare today, right? CJ has not declared yet, right? Day's not over. Yeah. I, there's another guy in town we've we got to find out about, too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Anias. Come on back, Anias. Um, when, as I look around the country, it, it might be that the major di- guys are – Threats are probably Ohio State or Michigan and or Michigan. Mm-hmm. Of course, Alabama. Can you say Clemson now? No. Even with the change with Garrett Riley going there? Well, Clemson just wasn't very – I mean, they were they were good in the ACC. They got beat 
they weren't very good this year. Yeah, but I think with an if they have an offense, they can be pretty darn good. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think they'll be the best team in the ACC. Yeah. I don't know what that means anymore. And I do think USC uh, is going to be, you know, they're getting a lot of guys in. Uh, I still think their defense will keep them from being a uh, uh, a national championship team. And I think that uh, when they play good defensive teams, you know, Lincoln Riley's offense becomes ordinary. But, you know, that, that's what you're going to hear. You're going to hear USC, Michigan, Ohio State. And uh, and Alabama. Cat D eleven Ag says I need to see Georgia post Stetson Bennett. True. Yeah. But what? Again, it's it's funny to me that two years ago nobody knew who Stetson Bennett was, and then here comes this guy from nowhere and turns out to be a really good quarterback for him. Yeah. Um. I think why well, they have a guy named Vandergriff. That sounds right. That's supposed supposed to be this five star guy. That but he's from a real small school, high school. You know, we'll, we'll see what he's about, right? Um, but Georgia, more than anything, is going to win on defense. Well, and look, the part of the story that we don't know how these parts are going to work. Oh, is by the way, what a horrible story about Georgia! You oh see my that? goodness, yeah, a staffer and a, and a player, Wilcock. Um, they perished uh, in a traffic, and, and I think there was another person. I think there's two that are in the hospital. In the hospital. Yeah, horrendous news. Yeah, um, prayers out to them. If you guys didn't hear, they were in a. I guess it was after the celebration. They went out and they got into a car accident. Horrible, horrible news there out of Georgia. Um, and then, unfortunately, there's also terrible news out of Alabama basketball. Darius Miles apparently involved, involved in, a, in a shooting in which yeah. a young lady lost her life. Um, so. And details are coming out about that, but the the, the first reports is that Darius was with another guy, and they were trying to talk to this woman, and she wasn't having it, and said like two in the morning they got mad, and that led to them shooting at. So you know, I mean, you're you're really going to throw away your life on something like that, mm-hmm. it, kill a lady, and now you know you're on your way to to prison for Lord knows how long. For what? The company you keep can really determine your future, even if you're a good kid, right? I don't know how many times my mom told me, you know, you know you're not going, you're not going to hang around with that guy. I'm, what are you talking about? You're not. I'm not after you. No, you're not. You know, and I don't know how many parents out there were saying that they're not going to let them hang out with Owen. Right. No, yeah. <laughs> but I do think you are a reflection of your friends, regardless of how well you were raised and, you know, you, unfortunately things happen that's a conversation for for another day all right uh, let's do this let's uh hit a break here if you want to be a part of the conversation we have an open segment we'll get to some of those text messages on the a and b text line 979-693-1150 you can call us up as well if you want to chit chat with us here on text radio this is pretty cool so uh this is about design spark accelerate so if you have an idea that you think could be big and maybe it's the next big big idea and you want to I don't know, get $50,000 doing it? Well, you've got a a place. If you have an idea, a prototype, or startup in any manufacturing or industrial technologies, Design Spark Accelerate program is looking for you. Um, Design Spark is now accepting applications for Accelerate, a technology incubator program located right here in 
BCS in the uh, Design Spark Innovation Center at Laycock. Uh, they're looking for new and unique manufacturing technologies and people with deep rooted passions for their projects. Design Spark Accelerate will help you turn your idea into a design or your design into a prototype, help you grow your customer base, increase your business, business acumen, connect you with industry leaders, and help you perfect your pitch to attract new investors. Selected applicants will participate in a 12-month study and qualify for $50,000 of in-kind funding. Design Spark Accelerate. Ex- application deadline is January 31st. If you're, already, uh, if you're ready to go, uh, accelerate your idea. Go to designspark.com slash accelerate to, uh, to apply now. Designspark.com slash accelerate. All right, final segment of the Go Hour presented by the Warehouse of CC Creations, TechSags Radio. Presented by David Gardner's Jewelers in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Let's return to the news and social center. Kay Nagley's got some text messages with for us. And one of those from a guy who loves to be, uh, what's the word, contrarian? Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> David Edmond says, how quickly we forget that just last year, Bama won the SEC. Stop. Who said we forgot? <laughs> well, l- last year, they did not. But the year prior. But two, two years ago, they did. Yeah, but who said we forgot? Just because we didn't mention it? Okay, continue. B Georgia was leading Georgia to win it all when they lost all their wide receivers. Without those injuries, Georgia had no chance of winning last year. You still need a little luck to win it all. Yeah, every team that's won something. I mean, the Giants, when they beat the uh, Patriots a couple times, they had some luck, right? Well, the the, the uh, Georgia had luck when the the Ohio State field goal kicker Missed the game-winning field goal. That wasn't a great play by Georgia. That was a guy from – they got lucky. So, that that goes without saying. I'll acknowledge – You know, t- I, I couldn't tell you how many Nick Saban national championships he's won that We're he lucky. was lucky. Yeah. Like one of them, if, uh, Iowa, if uh, Oklahoma State doesn't miss a field goal, they're playing LSU for the national championship and not Alabama, and Alabama won it. You know, so things like that. Colt McCoy got hurt, uh, you know – Alabama might have won anyway, maybe not. You know, so yeah, luck's involved. Uh, but when you do it two years in a row, I'm not gonna, like. Could you say that TCU got lucky this year? Sure, you can make that argument. If they do it a couple years in a row, it's not luck. Well, I'll say this: um, Alabama had a great chance to beat Georgia, and that Alabama team doesn't have Bryce Young mm-hmm. anymore. Bryce Young, it's to my knowledge, was actually the uh, the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, and th- then he didn't have those receivers, so he wasn't as good. Well, now, this year, you're not going to have that Heisman Trophy winning quarterback or those same receivers. Right, right. So I don't, I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know the point other than to say sometimes you need luck, and, well, that's true for almost – Yeah. A, I mean, uh, you know, you can just – I bet if you looked hard enough on every national championship team, you can find a moment in the season or a moment where they might not have either won the championship that night or they would have, if not for a stroke of luck, not gotten to the championship game to begin with. So I don't know if luck is the right word, but the tuck rule with Brady, right? Oh, that was, that was, Whatever we want to call it. I think Tom Brady's still – the best quarterback I've ever seen in my life, regardless if that was luck that particular evening. Yeah. I remember when um, 
when Florida won the national championship in 2006, and they just obliterated Ohio State, but they needed a blocked field goal to beat South Carolina mm-hmm. in the next, and I think in the last SEC game, they needed a blocked field goal, and they were lucky enough to get it because that happens all the time, right? Blocking yeah. the field goal. Well, uh, if they don't block that field goal, they never have a chance to play. Uh, in the national championship game. So, yeah, you can always yeah, By the way, A&M got a little lucky against Arkansas. We'll gladly take it. Yeah. They missed a field goal. And, by the way – And sometimes late. you've had a lot of bad luck, so you, yeah. ne- so you never apologize when you get you good luck. You don't apologize. Okay, you got one more for us in the last 48 seconds of the uh, segment. Yes, Bosis from Katie says, do we know anything about Anais yet? As I believe today is the last day to declare. We don't. We, we don't. don't. We'll ask Billy here in one hour and five minutes or so. I'll say no news is good news. Yeah. I, again, it's only my opinion. I think it would behoove Anaya Smith to come back. But Anaya has to do what he's happy with, and we should support whatever he decides. I think sometimes as fans, we forget. That's that kid's life, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know what he's dealing with, what, he, what, what people are telling him. It's his life. And I remember when I wanted to go into journalism school, I had some folks in my family, are you sure you want to do that? You sure you want to be a nomad and live all around the, you know, Texas and small towns? Like, yeah, I do. I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't want to go be a banker. I want to go be a journalist. I don't know what Anais is dealing with. I hope he comes back selfishly. Mm. I hope he does what he wants to do, though. And whatever it is, we should say, hey, best of luck with you 100%. Thank you for all the great memories and for, you know, that touchdown catch against Alabama and so on and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be a fun hour, sir. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. All right. When we come back here on Texas Radio, we'll do around Aggieland. We'll uh, actually open it up a segment. We'll have a full segment just to chit-chat. Got some ideas for you. That and much, much more. You are listening to Texas Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here on the Rollo Insurance Studio. All right. Welcome back. Hour number two, Texas Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Having some fun this morning. Kay Nagley's with us. We're about to do Around Aggieland. And by the way, Around Aggieland is presented by Norman G. State Bank. Norman G. State Bank is rock-solid banking. The website is normangstatebank.com. Kay, you're wearing a Dak shirt. Mm-hmm. You're a Cowboys fan? I am. But I, you're from I, Houston. I know. So yeah. Explain little, to me that. I mean, which is fine. Just... Little, little contradictory, but my parents grew up Cowboys fans. My um, grandma actually like worked for them for a little bit, okay. so... Just always, my parents didn't grow up in the area either, which is kind of weird. So it was just kind of passed down by association. Are you a diehard Cowboys fan or you like them? I mean, I would say more like probably five years ago, like junior high, high schoolish, which is kind of weird for Uh like a girl. I guess they've just hurt me a lot, you know, and so I... I kind of have chilled out, but you know they're they're pretty good this year. So hopefully, do you have love for the Texans at all? No. Even though you grew up in Houston. No. And- See, I grew up bullying the Texans because everyone around me at my high school was a Texans fan, and I was. Just and like, when you were in high school, the Texans were pretty good, right? I mean, they were okay, but oh, yeah, they were winning the AFC South, the hardest division in sports mm, ever. They were it's okay. like the SEC. <laughs> I mean, they did have JJ, so it was kind of hard to argue with that. You gotta love JJ, right? I mean, yeah, I can't. I Who mean, doesn't love JJ? You can't argue with that. So that was always like a hard point to get across. But yeah, once again, I just never, never was a Texans fan. Somebody asked, and I think it was a good question. Um, I'm trying to see if I can find it. Yeah, it was Cat D Eleven uh, Ag. Can't recall an NFL playoff game being played on a Monday night. Is that the case? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the scheduling. See, I get mad because the I 
the national championship should be on the Saturday without any discussion there. And they're moving all these games around to where NFL is playing on Saturdays. And I don't, I don't know how I feel about all that. So hopefully they can eventually get the national championship moved to a Saturday. Hopefully. Um, but I, I don't think they will. But uh, let's get into what's going on in around Aggieland. Let's do it. So we actually have quite a lot today with spring starting back yeah. up. Uh, track and field's going. Golf is going. And tennis is starting to get going. So as I said earlier, men's basketball is now 4-0 in conference play with an absolute stomping of South Carolina on Saturday. A 94-53 victory. The Aggies dominated from start to finish. And it was the Anim's largest margin of victory ever against an SEC foe. And Aggies probably need to be free to you know, on Wednesday when Florida comes to town. I think that'll be a good one. And as I said earlier, women's basketball in its sixth game with seven players available due to injuries. Uh, their woes on the hardwood did not let up as they fell to Mississippi State yesterday. At Reen Arena, KK Green posted a career high 18 points, um, but they could not get it done. They now head to Tuscaloosa this Thursday to take on Alabama. And then, like I said, spring sports starting back up. So track and field this weekend to open the season. How do we do? A&M took home eight took home victories at the Arkansas Invitational and registered eight Texas A&M all-time top 12 marks, four on the men's side and four on the women's side. Uh, so they're, I mean, already starting off with a good season. The teams will return to the track on Friday, January 20th, as they travel to Lubbock for the Red Raider, Red Raider Open. I know that will probably be a tough season for them because, as Pat said, they're on the road this entire season. So that'll be, I mean, yeah, they don't have a home facility, so... Hopefully they can, you know, continue to get it done on the road. Women's golf, Texas A&M women's golf, won the Cactus Match Play event at the Whiston Kierland Golf Club on Sunday. The Aggies officially began the spring season on February 5th with the UCF Challenge in Orlando, Florida. And then lastly, tennis is starting back up. So women's tennis kicks off play against collegiate opponents hosting Houston and Prairie View A&M on Tuesday and Tuesday. Uh, on Tuesday with Tulane and Sim Houston on Friday in Aggieland. And Mittens Tennis will also start play this week at San Diego. So a lot going on, but uh, hopefully we, we see some Aggie teams get some wins here. Yeah, let's hope so. Thank you, Kay. Appreciate you. Of course. Right, good stuff there. So right now I want to talk a little bit because it is hot sports take season. That's what happens at this point of the year when it comes to college football. And I found an article this morning from CBS Sports, and uh, it was titled Five Losing Teams That Can Surprise Like TCU with a 2023 National Championship Appearance. TCU last year went 5-7. and seven. Who else went 5-7, and seven, Nick? Uh, Texas A&M University. Yeah, this is called listener participation. Yeah. So you're, you're going to be a part of the conversation here. Okay. Uh, so, I, and I should have warned you. But let, let's talk about that for a minute. So I am not one to, I've told you all for quite a while that I don't believe in predictions right now. I'm not in a prediction phase when it comes to my relationship with A&M football. I'm not one to tell you they're going to go 10 and 2, look at the schedule, uh, 8 and 4, 6 and what. Like, I'm not there right now. Okay, right now I'm in. Can I see what you can do? That's where I'm at with them. And part of that process, it's a grieving process when you look at the 5-7 and seven season of what the kind of expectations we all had for them. But, like, who cares about freaking predictions, right? We've gone through that before. It doesn't matter. Teams predict to win at all. Teams predict to lose and how somehow they get into the playoffs. So the prediction part of the conversation, to me, is not important at all. But there are going to be conversations out there about teams that can make this run like TCU. So, see, uh CBS has this this article, and I'm going to read you a couple of the names out there. We can discuss what we think about it. Um, one of those teams is Auburn. 
So it says uh, Auburn's coming off a 5-7 and seven season, just like TCU did last year. Um, but obviously they changed the, the, the coaching situation there, right? Um, so they have Hugh Freeze there, and they ha- they are one of those programs that you feel like typically can get right back into the mix regardless of what um, happens there. Yeah. Uh, but my question for that is, how are all these pieces going to work? Do I think Hugh Freeze can make it work right away? No. I mean, work-ish. We saw what uh, LSU did last year, right? Like, Brian Kelly got it to work-ish uh, until the very end, until they met with A&M in Georgia. But beyond that, you know, can you get it I mean, to ma- work? Yeah, making making the SEC championship game in your first year, that's, that's Fantastic. making it work-ish. Yeah, yeah like, they, they made it work. They they took the season. They had the season that A&M wanted to have, expected to have. They had it, right? Regardless of how the season ended for them, um, losing two out of the last three, they won their bowl game, obviously, against Purdue. But regardless, they had that season. Is that kind of season potential for, for Auburn? Well, the, 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 the easy answer is no. But the real answer is, I don't know, because the transfer portals changed the entire game. So could Auburn, with a new coaching situation and a, a new vibe out there, could they get right back into the mix? A lot of their games came down to being very close. How about this one? A team that A&M is going to face. By the way, they were, they're going to face Auburn. We know that. The other team on the CBS list is a team that A&M is going to face, but not a conference team, Miami. So could Cristobal in his second year there actually figure things out? If Tyler Van Dyke is going to take that step that he didn't take last year, is that possible out there? Uh, look, when you look at Miami and what they did, last, they were a joke last year. So was A&M. They were a joke last year. Um, but they lost, who was it? The Middle Tennessee game. Yeah, Middle Tennessee. They got lost to Duke. They lost to Pitt. Um, by more than two scores in all those games, right? And, and, and some of this is from the article. But if you're Miami, you got to think, with the talent that you've been accumulating the last couple of years, I do think you have a good coach. He may not be a great coach, but you do have a good coach. You should take a huge step in the ACC. I still think Clemson's the top dog. Uh, Florida State, obviously, is, uh, you know, some people have them top five, preseason top five for next year. So, Miami's going to take a, a, a big step forward, but they're not playoff TCU step forward. You agree with me so far, Nick? Yeah, that, that would be fair. Did you just say peop, some? you saw some people have Florida State, a preseason top five? Yeah. You've seen that? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, see, that's why some of these are silly. Is that I like, yeah, they're probably going to be good, but that might be a little bit of a reach. And the next one they have on here, look, I don't pay attention to Michigan State other than a little brawl they had with Michigan, right? I don't, I don't, I mean, I pay attention, but I don't. I just remember a year ago today, or a year and a half ago today, how much talk was about Mel Tucker, you know, getting this contract, and people were kind of happy with it. And people like Olin and myself be like, what has this dude done? He's been there like a minute. <laughs> like he's been, seriously, he's had a, a cup of coffee. Yeah. And they were horrible this past year. Um, and they were talking about him. But then when Jimbo's contract comes up, it's like, oh, my God. You know, this year, kind of, they, they might have been right. I, I'm not even going – I don't follow the Big Ten close enough to know other than I think Ohio State and Michigan are the two top dogs. Can Michigan State play spoiler? Sure, of course they can. How is the uh, transfer portal going to affect them? I don't know. But I look at them, and I'm like, they're not TCU material. Because to me, to be TCU material, you got to play in a weak conference. Right? Pac, yeah. Pac-12, Big 12, to me – those are conferences where you're like, okay, I can see it happening. 
Yeah, I could see a team that last year wasn't very good getting hot and winning the conference. I don't see that happening in the Big Ten or the SEC. No, yeah. As good as I think A&M can be, that's a, is a huge leap of faith in January to predict that kind of outcome. If you're in the Big 12, I'll, we can pull up the Big 12 stats or standings here in a moment, but like, so here's another one that I still fa- still falls in line with the same kind of thinking. Nebraska. They went 4-8, and eight, right? Is that what they went? I believe so, yes. So do I think that they could, not Nebraska, proud program, resources, new coach, can they be much better, transfer portal? Of course, all those things are possible. There's still Ohio State. There's still Michigan. Regardless. So do I think that's going to happen? No. Can that kind of story happen in the Big 12 or the Pac-12? Yes, it sure can. So I'm out on Nebraska. And the last team that they have on this list, Nick, who do you think it is? Uh, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I, I mean, would it be A&M? It would be Texas A&M. Wow, how about that? And I'm going to read their, I think it's Tom Fornelli who wrote this. Texas A&M, what have I done? Question mark. First Miami, then Nebraska, and now Texas A&M? If only Texas had gone 5-7, and seven, I could include it and complete Hyper Beast uh, Superfecta. Listen, it's hard to trust the Aggies. I don't, but you cannot deny this is a talented roster that underperformed in 2022. I was never in the Texas A&M as a playoff contender crowd, but 5-7, and seven, that should have been impossible with the talent on hand. And it goes into the Bobby Petrino, um coordinator. There's a risk of blowing up, but it could also, if everything works, things could be amazing. Here's the reality of the situation. We don't know. We do know the offense should be better. And because of that, you can't use 2022 thinking in 2023. But on a talk show on January the 16th, right? Was it 16th? Yep. Yep. On a talk show on January 16th, we can certainly say, well, had you played that schedule with this offense this year, you can do that stuff, right? So look, there's a lot of other things going to LSU could get better, they could get worse. Ole Miss could get better. Every team in the SEC West, every team that A&M is going to play, you can make an argument that they'll be better. You can make an argument they'll be worse. We already went through the uh, Alabama storyline. How can they be better without Bryce Young? Well, they're Alabama. They'll figure it out, right? Uh, Ole Miss, they got guys coming back, but they, they floundered at the end of the year. And Texas A&M was the biggest disappointment in the SEC West last year. No doubt. One of the biggest disappointments in all of college football. But again, under this thinking and this storyline, sure, they could be in that conversation. I, for one, am just not in a point where I'm like, yeah, let's, because I understand the question mark still. I still understand you have a question mark at offensive line. I think it'll be better. Still have a question there. You have question at linebacker. All right? You have question at depth. So, and you have questions on how it's going to work with Bobby and Jimbo. I'm on a first-name basis with both. I think guys. if, before we hit a break, I think if certain someone... Decides to come back. We'll find that. I guess we'll find that out pretty soon here. If if today's the deadline, um, that that will go a long way. And I think if, if he does decide to come back, we can kind of start to like. Okay, maybe they'll maybe they'll look a little bit better. Maybe it'll look like this. But again, lot 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 to still come. So we'll find out. The good poster puts on the Texas chat the January sixteenth deadline only applies for underclassmen. So Nias' deadline is not today. I thought that might have been the case, but I went to Mr. Google. And uh, Mr. Google says college football season is officially in the rearview mirror. And some of the top underclassmen around the country are announcing their intentions for 2023. The deadline for players to declare for the draft is Monday, January 16th. So is it 
all players or is it just underclassmen? Yeah, that makes it more confusing. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's uh, let's talk about Caldwell Country Chevrolet. Highway 21 and Caldwell Online. CaldwellCountryChevrolet.com. They are locally owned and operated. And uh, Zach Hester, big Aggie guy. Like, he loves A&M Athletics. So does Caldwell Country, right? They, they've been doing that for a long, long time. They're a proud supporter and sponsor of Texas A&M Athletics. They have comp- complimentary pickup for all service customers. I know Billy took advantage of that just the other day on Friday. He's like, yeah, they came and brought me a, a loaner. So um, Caldwell Country knows how to take care of good people out there. Uh, they've been doing it for a long time. The, the uh, client list is an all-star team, especially when it comes to Aggie Athletics. R.C. Slocum only buys from Caldwell Country Chevrolet. Only buys it from Caldwell Country Chevrolet. You've got uh, Billy Lucci. You know, he, he shops there. And Dante Hall, class of 2000. And there's others. These are the ones on the, on the copy that I have. But there are others. I've, I bought a car from there. Many other people who work here at Texax have bought a vehicle there from Caldwell Country Chevrolet. They're a small-town dealer making dreams come true for the Brazos Valley. They are a short conversation away, but buying that car or truck of your dreams will make such a difference when you do it there with Caldwell Country, Caldwell Country Chevrolet. Located off of Highway 21 and Caldwell Online, CaldwellCountryChevrolet.com. Let Zach and the guys at Caldwell Country make the car buying process simple and easy for you. Go check them out. I didn't think an argument was going to break out during the break, Kay Nagley, but freaking Nick comes in here like he owns the place, Nick Savage, like... You say from your from Houston or Katie, and you're like, I don't know, Houston. Like, no, you're a liar. He called you a liar. I know it's Houston area. That's what I like to go with. Like, I, I'm. From- I never called anybody a liar. I just said if you're from Katie, you're from Katie. If you're from Sugarland, you're from Sugarland, not the Houston area or I mean, you can say Houston area, but you're not from Houston. All right, I'm gonna involve Tom Hart in this conversation. Tom, I grew up in Aleaf, Texas. If you don't know about Aleaf, watch out. All right, it you know get, get a little tough out there, right? If I'm in Houston area or Texas, I may say I grew up in Aleaf. If I'm in Miami, I'm from Houston. I think it depends on who you're talking to, the group. Do you agree or disagree? Savage just wanted to live up to his last name today. That's yeah, all it was. I agree. Um, yes. If, if you are now, I'll back him up in this regard. If you're having that conversation in Texas, then you can dive down and be a little bit more specific because Houston could mean anything. Uh, to your point, if you're outside the state talking to an outsider and they say, hey, where are you from? Just just tell them Houston. That's yeah. totally fine. Nobody really wants to do a deep dive and find out where you went to high school and what was your uh, elementary school mascot. Nobody cares that much. So my brother lives in Coral Gables. That sounds so elitist. If you were to say, where do you live? Coral Gables. You know, like, you know, <laughs> it's Miami. Just leave it at that. Right. Right. You live in Highland Park or Dallas? I don't know. You might say Highland Park. I would probably say Highland Park. I would like to say that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, let's be honest. Nick is right there. Hey, um, a weekend of blowouts in SEC basketball. I know you got to watch one of them, but let's start with ours because it's an A&M show. Uh, I, I know you probably didn't watch it, but you have heard A&M dismantled uh, South Carolina out there. I feel like Buzz's team is early. But it's starting to get it in SEC play. They're, they're reaching that that mentality that we saw at the end of last year. Yeah, this is um, this is the team we're seeing now. Conference play that a lot of people expected to see out of A and um, It's weird. This college basketball season has been weird. Um, the expectations got really thrown out of whack, and I think it's because. And I'm talking big picture college basketball. It's hard to guess what the impact of transfer players will be, especially those who stepping up a level uh, like Missouri has a lot of those, for example, um, LSU has a lot of those guys coming from Murray state and Ohio Valley. Uh, but talking with coaches before the season, 
to a man, they all said, watch out for A&M. Like, that's the program nobody's talking about. That's going to be one of the top four programs in the league this year. And so those non-conference stumbles, when they're trying to find their – I shouldn't say personality because we all know what Buzz's uh, team's personality is going to be, hardworking, especially on the defensive end. Uh, they're going to grind you on the offensive end and get to the hoop. But what has turned out – and I was just going over some of the numbers um, in conference play. I mean, they're – this is a league, David, this is not shoot the ball well. And, and if I were a spin master, I'd say, well, it, it's an elite defensive league. And that's true. But it's also a league of the haves and have-nots in terms of offensive talent. And A&M is shooting the ball really, really well. They're one of the best in two-point percentage, and they're getting to the free throw line. And to me, those two indicators are um, the best predictor of success for Buzz's teams. Can can they shoot the ball from two, which means they're they're finishing, they're getting clean looks in mid-range, and are they getting to the free throw line, which means they're they're getting to the rim and they're driving a lot, and that's exactly what they're doing. Tom, I, I know I kind of led with this, but the, the reality is last year they started off 4-0. They had an impressive win over Arkansas, but those were more grind-out games. What A&M has done these first three out of four games is suffocate the teams that they're playing against. They've had a grind-out victory over Florida, uh, but the rest have been suffocating. So it, to me, it just feels different. I, I agree with that and um, in some respects, but I, I just think that when, when his teams play well, that's what they do defensively. And, oh, by the way, number one in the league in offensive rebound percentage. Like, that is a, that is a team effort that is a team that has um, – just has another gear in terms of, of energy and getting after it. I, I was just going, going through some of the numbers. Um, league-wide, I think there's five teams that are shooting – less than 50% from two in the league. And AM plays great defense. Alabama's a top 10 defensive efficiency. Tennessee has been number one in defensive efficiency all season. Like th- there are some teams in this league that will not give you a break on the defensive side. So if you can't knock down shots, it's going to be a long year. I think that's what we saw from South Carolina. I had Alabama LSU, which was a 40 point Alabama win. That's what we saw from LSU, you, you've got to be able to knock down shots in this league or you're not going to have success. Talking to Tom Hart here on Texags Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. Let's talk about that Bama team. Uh, another just, I mean, they're they're just on a different level, right, Tom? Yeah, 100%. Um, and they're doing it with a guy I think is the best player in the league, probably the best college player in the country in Brandon Miller. He's Kevin Durant-like. Like, I mean, that's that's the comp he's a smooth tall shooter who you've got to even if you have a hand in your face he can shoot over the top of you um he he had 22 points in the first half against LSU LSU had 22 points I mean he was keeping pace with them as an individual and what NATO's team does um like any any great coach that has an elite team they're up 40 at half and he kept the hammer down on his guys. I mean, he was intense and he was in their face and he was grilling them about continuing to give effort. And I, so I think, uh, especially countered with Kentucky's win at Tennessee, Alabama, absolutely best team in the league, probably right now, the best team in college basketball. Can they keep it going? Can they survive some of these games that are going to occur in the league that turn into grind out games? Um, that will be the question because there will be some some nights where – they're not knocking down every shot. Yeah, no doubt about that. Speaking of Kentucky, uh, interesting week for them because they, you know, they're 
there's rumors about the the relationship with the AD Barnhart and Cal. They're not playing as well, but they get the victory over Tennessee. Uh, just where are they right now in, in your mind, Tom? Well, Mitch Barnhart um, did a media interview late last week and said all the right things. And I, I thought as if there are any aspiring athletic directors out there or people in leadership and in and, and administration in any way, and you want to know how to handle it when um, you're public facing and, and you've got to answer tough questions, go listen to his interview that he did with Matt Jones and KSR. He's, you know, I don't know what's happening behind the scenes, but what he portrayed was great leadership in terms of wanting the team to win and giving Cal everything he needs to win. Right now, they're a better team, oddly enough. Severe Wheeler has led the league in assists like three straight years. Um, he didn't play against Tennessee, and their offense ran much smoother without him. So they've got to answer some personnel questions, and it's easy. I think it's a great reminder, this big-picture topic of conversation. It's easy – for fans and reporters and, and analytics to look at the raw numbers and say, hey, bench that guy, whoever it is, whatever sport it is, bench that guy, we're a better team without him. But if you're not in the locker room and you don't know how to massage that as a coach, you can't just make that blanket statement. So John Calipari and his team kind of have to figure out, all right, if we're better off without this guy who started every game for us the last two years, how do we handle that without him shutting down or creating divides within our locker room? And it's it's not as easy as just pointing to the Ken Palm numbers and say, hey, we're a more efficient team without him. Sit him on the bench. Talking to Tom Hart here on Texas Radio. Turn our attention to uh, college football for a moment. A discussion on the show earlier this morning was about uh, who's going to be the biggest threat to Georgia next year. If you look at the SEC, I think the easy answer is Bama. But you tell me, who's the biggest threat to Georgia? Is it themselves? Well, the fascinating storyline right now within the SEC is what's happening with Alabama's defensive coordinator. So uh, Lane Kiffin hired Pete Golding away. The reports are that Saban was offering Golding uh, a raise to stay. Um, Nick, in many times, if he doesn't want you around, he'll just say, hey, maybe you should go take that job. Apparently, he wanted him to stay, but he's, he's leaving. So um, you would expect Pete Golding to take the – Alabama defense, Nick Saban's defense with him to Ole Miss. Uh, how that plays with Lane's offense uh, remains to be seen. But the fascinating part about this, and I think there's a corollary to what Jimbo did uh, offensively in this offseason. One of the names that's in consideration for the Alabama DC job is Jim Leonard coming mm -hmm. from Wisconsin. Uh, a lot of cover three, a lot of blitzing, you know, about a third of the time and passing downs, a totally different defense from what Nick Saban has run and what every one of his defensive coordinators has run under him. He can also go get Glenn Schumann perhaps from Georgia. If he wants to give him a bunch of money, which would be running the same offense, uh, pardon me, the same defense he's always run. If he goes and gets Jim Leonard is Nick Saban, completely retooling his defense and is he saying we're going to be different because Georgia is who we used to be and uh, a lot of messages will be sent with that hire because in the past he'd bring somebody in and say listen you're a great coordinator you're going to run what I run you're not changing any terminology you're not changing any assignments this is what we do and it works and he has a chance to do that or to go outside his own family and go get Leonard who was previously the interim head coach at Wisconsin uh, that what happens on that side of the ball will determine if Alabama is a threat to Georgia and their biggest threat next year.
Have you heard anything new with Bill O'Brien in Bama? No, I haven't. I haven't. But he's an, he's another good example of you come in and you run what Saban wants you to run. Um, you know, he got the job and he said a lot of the terminology was similar but but different. And he said it was my job to relearn the language. It's not, uh, you know, Nick won't allow me, nor should I ask the players to learn my new language. Um, you know, I, I think one of the secrets to Saban's success with all the staff turnover that he's had over the years is we're going to have continuity. Um, the biggest change was when he hired Kiffin and he wanted him to run what he'd been running. And Kiffin got in and eventually said, listen, this offense is, is antiquated. We need to change with the times and we need to open it up. And that's when Alabama changed and they went on another mini run. Last thing for you. You excited about working with the XFL? I'm thrilled. Yeah, it's going to be a ton of fun. Um, what I love about it is the access that we get, right? We have the coordinators, Mike. We have the quarterbacks, Mike. You hear every play call. And for those of us who sit at home and play Madden, we can read a play call on the screen, but don't know the intricacies of it. Now, all of a sudden, we get to see it in action with, with real people. And we hear the Josh Johnson was a quarterback uh, in the previous iteration. We hear him on the phone going off on Norm Chow, you know, his OC. That's a terrible call, man. You put me in a bad spot. It, we peel back the curtain, man, and it's a it's a lot of fun uh, to kind of see it from inside out as opposed to outside in. Tom, we appreciate it, sir. Talk to you soon. David, thanks, man. Later, man. Take care. Tom Hart here on Texas Radio. Right now we're talking Chance McLean and Heritage Films. They make documentary films about uh, your family, about yourself, about uh, somebody important to you. Highly recommend that you go check it out. Uh, yourheritagefilm.com is the website. So documentary films, you're thinking to yourself, why would they make a documentary about me? Well, it's not necessarily just about you. It is about you, but it's really a gift for your family uh, because your family, your grandkids, their grandkids, they're not going to know everything, like how you got where you are, about your parents, about how they got to the States, and whatever it may be. Everybody's got their unique story. So the way I look at our Heritage Film documentary is like it's a gift, yeah, that you can watch with your family, but it's one that you're going to give to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. Highly recommend that you go check it out. Uh, the website is yourheritagefilm.com, and the phone number is 713-893-8341. Talk to Chance McLean personally. He'll take your call. He'll set it up for you. He'll come light it up, and uh, eight, eight to ten weeks later, you got yourself a documentary. 713-893-8341, 713-893-8341. It's Heritage Films. All right, short segment here on Tech Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. Just want to make sure we, we're all in agreement, Nick. That if you're talking internally to people from Texas, you you can geo-target where you're from a little bit better. But if you're talking to somebody outside of Texas, you don't say Sugar Land necessarily. You can bring it up in the conversation, but it's not your go-to. It's not your first line. Where are you from? Houston. I would say I'm from Sugar Land, which is about 20 minutes outside of Houston. You lost me already. Like that's such a long line. Like okay, yeah. like. It's just a little wordy. It's That's too why. wordy. If I I say Houston area, and if they care enough to ask me additionally, like specifics, I will tell them. Oh, so Nick, are you more of a Skeeters fan, or are you more of an Astros fan? Uh, both. It's actually the Space Cowboys. Well, we're now. gonna use Skeeters for this conversation. Okay. When you were younger, and the Skeeters were a thing, were you more of a Skeeters guy or not? You have to pick one because you're from yeah, that you area. Know. Okay, so I can't be an Aggies fan and an Astros fan. No, you went Is that to what you're here. saying? You went to school here. I'm shooting holes all in your no. your you went to school here, here. David. You're allowed to to love them because and universities are different. We're talking about pro sports and where you're from. 
you can't necessarily like when Sugarland gets a professional MLB team, then you can start saying that you're from Sugarland when you talk to somebody outside of Texas. No. Yeah, that's how it works. I disagree. Respectfully disagree there, David. I'm going to hit a break here because we got Buzz Williams coming up soon. Um, so let's hit a break. We'll t- come back with Buzz Williams next on Tech Radio. I like when the music stops just abruptly like that because we have breaking news. Billy Lucci's in studio. Tech Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. Should be joined by Buzz Williams here in a moment. Good morning, Billy. How are you, sir? I'm good, David. How are you? Good. Um, how's your uh, headphone sound? Why don't Not we work. plug into the different one? We'll uh, tell me how they sound as we get Buzz Williams here on the program. Big. Find it. You can't find it? All set. Right here. Buzz Williams would be joining us as this awkward intro starts. Can you hear me? Oh, my goodness. It's just all kind of problems. We'll have Nick fix it as I go to the hotline. And Buzz Williams joining us here on the show. Buzz, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing well, sir. Um, you, I'm sure you guys are doing great. Let's uh, chit-chat a little bit about what we saw, 4-0 in conference play. But uh, what I've been saying, I feel like it just feels different than a year ago, Buzz, when uh, you guys started off 4-0. Um, I feel like the defense seems to be more in sync and in rhythm, and, and you guys are playing differently. Well, I, I think, number one, we're playing very hard. I think that we're playing together. Uh, I think we still have a lot of growth where we can get better on both sides of the ball, but regardless of sport, when your team plays with great intensity and they play for one another, I think you cover things up. And uh, We're only two weeks into the season in SEC play, but we've done a lot of good things, but I think the best thing that we've done is we just play really hard and we play for one another. Buzz, I'm going to start you off with a non-basketball question. I'm I'm better at those. I know, I know, and it's nice for a change-up for you. I, like I said, if we could ever do me, you and I do a non-basketball show, we might need to do a show where we just talk about concerts and and. I'll do that. Yeah, so not you con- more than I have. Well, we're during the off season. You and I are going to go see some. You're welcome to come join me to see Parker McCollum at Red Rocks this summer. I'm doing that. Woo! Definitely going to see I Morgan Wall. I saw James Taylor at Red Rocks. Oh, that would have been a good one. I saw Jewel and Train this summer, which was pretty good. But James Taylor sounds better, and, and Parker sounds better than that. But Parker might wear this. Nuno's wearing a uh, kind of like a bacon neck, V-neck T-shirt right now that's going really low down. I'm just wondering where you, where you come off on that look. I, I, I prefer not to have uh, any chest hair showing. Yeah, regardless of agreed model. Okay, I got a little nair going there. We're so on the same page here, and now he just admitted that he nairs his chest. So there's that whole thing. We'll um, That's yeah. another show. Buzz, it's it, that was so fun to watch the other day. Um, games like that. Is it more fun and rewarding coaching in those games and seeing the players just? play that kind of basketball on the road in the SEC, or is it even more rewarding when you guys sit down and watch the tape, uh, whether it be with your coaching staff or with the guys when, when you come back? And I know you're going to find some things where they need to get better, but what's the more re- rewarding, fun part of that? Is it while it's going on or is it after the fact to say, see, guys, this is what, this, this is what it looks like? Well, I, I think it's probably while it's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, just because for so many things to go right, um, it's an aberration. 
Yeah. And our, our guys played at a really high level regardless of category. And so I think for them to have joy while playing, uh, knowing that so many of the things that we emphasize and so many of the things that we spend time on and that we work on, for them to see it happen in many respects at a really, really high clip uh, when it's happening, I, I think as a coach, that's the most fun. I think that after the fact, maybe it's because I'm getting old, maybe it's because of the thin margin that this league has become. I think when you watch the game post-game, what you're studying the most is how do we need to improve, obviously. But I think what we've tried to do as a staff, Lucci, is what what happened in this game that translates the most into the next game? Yeah. Because that's what we've got to continue to emphasize. And, you know, our staff has done a phenomenal job in regards to here's this game, whatever this game is. This was the good stuff and this was the bad stuff. But regardless of which side that it's on, which of it do we need to carry on into the next game? And my eyes have adjusted uh, from learning from our staff of that. Uh, and I think that it's helped, you know, like uh, we're playing our first mirror opponent for the second time on Wednesday. And so, yes, you're going to watch the first time you played them two weeks ago, but yes, you're going to watch Saturday's game. And it's a culmination or a combination of those two things relative to what we need to be prepared for on Wednesday. And obviously that starts today and that continues through tomorrow. It's an interesting game from where I sit because I, I, I've been following Florida and it just seems like both, both of you guys have gotten a lot better in a, in a short period of time. Yes. Going back to that game and, and looking at the way you guys played or, or what you did and what you didn't do, what, what's one of the things that you say, okay, yep. if we do that, it's going to be a problem for us this time around. We got away with it the first time. Yeah, I, I think we did a good job on 12. Uh, we'll have to do a better job mm -hmm. guarding him uh, this time. You know, they're they're playing different. Um, they're using personnel completely differently. They've had some defections to their team. Some guys that played a lot against us are no longer playing. Uh, I don't know. There's a few things that they're doing differently offensively, but it all boils down to uh, 12 is going to get multiple touches all over the court. And depending upon where he gets the touch depends upon the action that they run. Um, but they haven't lost since we played them. Yeah. Um, and they've changed a lot. And so w w we will have to spend time uh, educating our guys today and tomorrow in practice and in the film room because who we played uh, the first game and SEC play is not who we're going to play in the fifth game. They've they've morphed into something completely different. Yeah, Buzz, I want to get in something non-sports related as well. I want to join the party to that. Uh, per perusing your Instagram account, saw you uh, deadlifting with a hex bar, five hundred pounds, and I like fitness. Um, so just uh, yep. as just, opposed to me, as the way no, you said that, I did say it in that way. You like fitness too. Uh, but, uh, uh, are you a big uh, hex bar guy? Well, uh, all credit should go to Coach Gephardt, our strength coach, 
Um, he sacrifices a lot of time away from his family to help me try not to get old and heavy. Um, and the, we change cycles. The cycles are 11 weeks long. And today was, uh, this week begins the last week of the cycle. And we alternate, uh, one cycle is deadlift. And so next week when we start the next cycle, uh, it'll be squats. And so, uh, Monday and Tuesday are strength. Thursday and Friday are speed. And then um, uh, I made, I tried, um, if there, there were 365 days in 2022, obviously, uh, there was one more Saturday than any other day. So if you took away all of the Sundays, there were 52 Sundays in 2022. If you took away the 52 Sundays, 313 days left in 2022, and I did some level of fitness all 313 days. That was the first time in my life I've ever been able to do that. And uh, a lot of things had to go right. Uh, but Coach Getz's willingness to help me on uh, four days a week out of those 52 weeks were huge. And so mm. today was the first day of the street, uh, or the last day of the last week of the first day of the cycle. And then uh, tomorrow will be bitch. And then Thursday and Friday we'll close out the cycle with speed. Um, so, uh, he's, he's as good of a human being and strength coach combination that I've ever been around. And I really appreciate his willingness to teach me and hold me accountable the same way we try to do our guys in the weight room. I love this. And why Luke Combs? Yeah. You know, that was, that was the last best concert that I went to. Okay. Uh, I got to know his, I got to know his guy and they were singing. Uh, he was at the Yum Center. Um, and so, um, Gep and myself and uh, our wives, along with Lyle and his wife, we went and saw uh, Luke and had uh, Billy Lucci type access. So it was a lot of fun. And uh, I just love his song, Doing This. Like, whether he is uh, known or unknown, he would still be doing the same thing. That kind of, when you're from Van Alstine, Texas, that kind of resonates with my soul. So Gep says that's my theme music when it's time to deadlift or do any sort of match, so he, he cues it up. I love it. Hey, Buzz, we got about a minute left. Look, I know there's no absolutes in, in anything in sports, but uh, when Julius Marble yep. and Dexter Dennis are able to combine for 20-plus, uh, I feel like your team's on a different level. Just talk about those two when they're on, especially on the offensive side. Yeah, those, those two guys obviously last week had uh, a great week uh, offensively, and I think what Dexter's doing on the glass has – completely changed our team. Uh, obviously, our team is doing a really good job on the glass, but Dexter, as a perimeter player, his presence on the defensive and offensive glass uh, in the last two games has been as good as you could hope for from a perimeter guy. And then I, I think it kind of started, to be honest with you, with Julius uh, from the beginning of conference play. He's just playing with a lot of poise, and he's playing with a lot of confidence when he has the ball in his hands. He didn't rebound well uh, in limited minutes against South Carolina, but his ability to get fouled, his ability has changed in regards to his percentage from the free throw line. And I think our guys know that he's playing with a high level of confidence and they're giving him the ball in good places to make good decisions. And if those two guys can continue to help us at the rate that they did last week with the other guys doing what they've been doing, it for sure helps our team. Buzz, we appreciate it. Good luck. We'll see you on Wednesday. 
Yes, sir. Thank Thanks, you, guys. Buzz. Have a good day. Thank Thanks, you. Buddy. Buzz Bye-bye. Williams here on Texas Radio. Texas Radio. We'll talk a lot fan about of that. Squats, not a fan, fan of deadlifts, not a fan of deep Vs. Yeah, well, he doesn't like the chest hair part of it. Do you see a lot of chest hair in my situation? Well, I don't like the nair part of it either. It was a joke. I don't use nair. Oh. I use V. It's a different brand. You do? You wore, you, you. I don't shave my chest. Now. Okay. Well. I may clip it. This is a, here's my, I've got multiple issues right now with this shirt. We come back to it. I'll just get it out of the way here. I, it, it's. We got like 24 seconds. Okay, perfect. Because, you know, we don't need to do that much. Now we have nine seconds. It's too deep of a V and it's, it's bacon neck. It's yeah. a l- very loose neck uh-huh. to it. So I either well, wear shirts like too it. tight or I yeah, wear too no, loose. Like there's no in between, right? You went pretty extreme today. Well, and and uh, by the way, people that can't see it, you've got that thing pulled back that much behind your neck to hide it. I Pull just, it all the way down. Roll with it. There you go. There's down. There you go. Deep. You know what? Never you mind. think you're Cliff Kingsbury over here? <laughs> or we're going to Thailand, Thailand. or whatever. All right, we'll come back. I'm sure we'll make fun of me more. It's Texas oh. Radio. Oh. It's Texas Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Appreciate everybody listening in and having a, a good morning here. Buzz just joined us at 945. That was a good conversation. Billy's with us here for the remainder of the hour. Billy, uh, do we want to go into nonsense, or we keep it with the basketball theme? I mean, what, what would you like to go? What's the nonsense? I don't know. We always start off the 10 o'clock. Oh, a fun right? nonsense. The yeah. things that we enjoy here yeah, that, the fun that stuff people the can't off-season. handle for a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, Off-season, season, I don't care. You have fun when you want to have At fun. At some point, people are going to realize you're not boxing me in. You're not containing me because you, you don't like what I do. It's just not how it works. Um, I wouldn't do this job. I would just go be like, you know, use my degree and just be... You would be a banker, as you said. Oh, gosh. Um, I hated that so much. But <clears throat> I think I'm nonsensed out so far, so okay. I'm, I'm ready for some sports. We, <clears throat> we had our nonsense to start. There might be some more nonsense and shenanigans that come about this hour. I don't know, but we're good now. All right, let's uh, now. So do you agree with my assessment at the top of the show that this 4-0 start feels different than the 4-0 start last year? And not that you have to remember the games itself, but the way th- – Look, I don't know how the rest of the SEC play is going to go, but the way they're attacking teams, there's a different level of elite that I'm seeing from them now mm-hmm. than I saw a year ago. Well, a couple things for starters. You know, you look at the teams they beat, and I don't know who they beat in the first four last year. I know Arkansas was one mm-hmm. of them, <clears throat> so that was a good one. But I'm looking at Florida, LSU, Missouri, just off the rip. I'm looking at two true road games. Obviously, they're all true road games in the SEC now. Two road games. I'm even looking at South Carolina and what they were coming off of. Mm -hmm. So you played a very confident South Carolina team. So, like, they're not good, but they were were as good mentally as you're going to play them. Now, other teams, as the year goes on, they might be playing a more beaten down South Carolina team. This team was as high up for that game, probably what they thought coming out of the locker room that day as, as they will be most games this year, and you beat them like a drum. Missouri came in rolling. You beat them like an absolute drum. LSU came in believing they're good. Turns out they got to be questioning that now. So do their arrogant fans. They got beaten like a drum. I mean, you, you beat LSU and Missouri. It, it, the last three haven't been – by SEC basketball standards, they haven't been very competitive. I know Missouri made that hellacious run there to cut it from like 21 to 4, and then A&M answered and pushed it right back out to 
double digits and eventually 20. This and going and winning in Gainesville mm-hmm. against a team that's been playing really well since. So when you look at all of that, this is very a very impressive start. In particular, Missouri, LSU, and Florida are teams that you're likely to be competing with for a spot in the tournament or for spot, maybe not necessarily a spot in the tournament, but for SEC, the SEC pecking order, yep. the finish line. It, so, man, I, th- this start reminds me of last year's finish more than it does last year's start to conference play, if that makes sense. Yep. Because they're playing high-level second weekend of the tournament type basketball right now. And they didn't do that last year until that winning streak at the end, and in particular the SEC tournament, and then carried that into, into the NIT right all the way to the final. The way they're playing right now reminds me much more of that than them starting 4-0 in conference last year. Yeah. This is, and it's crazy, David, because I thought it was going to be and like Buzz says, we're two weeks into a nine-week conference schedule, so it'll be difficult to sustain this level of play the rest of the way. But can this team be good enough to finish in the, in the top three in the conference? Yeah. Do, is that a given? No, no. But I do think from what we've seen, like what's in them, and you look around the rest of the league and you look at the three teams they've beaten and you look at – I do think they could compete with, yeah. say, who am I looking at? Maybe, maybe an Auburn, Auburn, Tennessee, uh, you know, Bama, Bama and Tennessee. I'm not going to roll off Tennessee just because loss, you look yeah. at all of Kentucky's talent and Arkansas's talent. You, I think you could ultimately be looking at, say, hey, A&M, Kentucky, Arkansas, and Auburn as those teams jockey in for that third, fourth, fifth. And it's very important for a team that didn't do a lot in the non-conference for A&M. And, and look, it's very early. But you look where Arkansas and Kentucky are as to where A&M is. And, and if you could change that four to a five for the Aggies on Wednesday, it gives you some much-needed cushion, cushion yep. against two teams in particular that you really think will end up starting to get a lot better as, as conference play continues. Nick, pull out that schedule again because these next three, as Billy's alluding to there, I mean – it's not your season, but these three games right here, yep. how you do here, if you split with Kentucky and If they and Auburn, could go two and one in these next three games and, and be sitting at six and one in the conference through seven, man, you got to feel. And, and then that's with Vandy coming in. And I know Vandy looked really good this weekend, what mm-hmm. they did to, to Arkansas. But you still, you're, at, you're, you're two out of three home games with Vandy and Georgia. And, and obviously, a really tough test in between. And I know Georgia's playing, but again, the SEC, it, it's crazy. Like, so you look at Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and, and you know, LSU's not playing well, Arkansas's not playing well, but Georgia and Vandy. Vandy might be a South Carolina thing, but Georgia is definitely a better team than people thought. Point, fact is, though, if you go two and one in these next three and you're sitting at six and one with Vandy at Arkansas and Georgia, with Vandy and Georgia at home, you have a chance to really be in a good position 10 games into this, into this conference play. We just got way ahead of ourselves because they've played four and they're six. But I'm saying if you can claim two of these three, it's going to be really tough. Yeah. At, at Rupp Arena, at Auburn, really tough. Florida at home, you barely beat them once. 
just get this Florida one and, and we can revisit it. Yeah. And then you go, man, if you can garner a split. The SEC schedule, look, it's, it's incredibly unforgiving. And for a team that's sitting at 4 0 and has dominated three of the four opponents, you still look at that and realize how difficult it is. And that's not even the, the whole schedule. Yeah. Still, I don't see it on there. You know, there's, there's a Tennessee on there, there's a Bama on there that aren't showing up yet. Yep. Uh, and that's, that's the thing, man. But you get them both at home and you don't play either of them twice. Look. I'm I'm done going. I heard y'all this morning, and I agreed with like I'm done. Like the app state, if A and M would have beat, let's not say Bama. That would that would be like this basketball team, you know, double dipping Tennessee and Bama or something. But if they would have beaten Mississippi State, and you you'd lost to App State, and you came back and you beat a ranked Miami, a ranked Arkansas, a ranked Mississippi State on the road, I would have said you've completely erased App State. I really would have thought that. Because you would have had a, a ranked A&M team going back into Tuscaloosa, and they lost on that last play. It, it would have changed, I think, the whole narrative, that Mississippi Feeling State the, game. Yeah. But you couldn't quite. If, if the Aggies, again, like, I don't think because of this, the way the playoff system is set up, this is a team that doesn't have to – Worry. I mean, they do have to worry about what happened in the non-conference because it is going to weigh against them. In in some metrics, it'll it'll benefit them more than what they had last year. But the losses will weigh against them. But you have just you have a, a chance to just erase that if you go. And I, we don't know the number. I don't think it's fourteen and four. I think if they went thirteen and five in this league, they would be in the tournament mm-hmm. regardless of the postseason. Twelve and six. Maybe. Up for debate. Maybe they need to win one or two. I would hope not. It just depends. It depends on who those 12 and who those six are. But, man, if they keep playing like this, let's not rule anything out in terms of where they could, how they could finish in, in the league. You're going to have to beat teams you're not expected to beat to make the tournament, though. You're going to yeah. have to. Yeah, to get to 13 wins, yeah, to get to 12 even. But who are they not expected? Like, so... Uh, Alabama and Tennessee, but Those you get them two. at home. Yep. I would say like games like Auburn and Kentucky on the road, maybe Arkansas on the road. So like those five, yeah. It, it, it can, if you got one of those and those are four or five losses, but then you beat, say, an Auburn at home and Arkansas at home and, you know, that. You just can't you lose can to it. the games that you. That's what I think is more important yeah. is, is they need to do like they did to South Carolina and win those type games that way. Like go in there and, and not lose to South Carolina, Ole Miss. Uh, I don't know who's going to be at the bottom of the standings when it shakes out, but if it's a Mississippi State, if it's a, you know, those are the ones that they need. Vanderbilt, if it's Georgia, you need to win those. Vandy and Georgia, right? Vandy just beat Arkansas. Georgia, who they, they had a nice win. They did. They I forget, did. but. Maybe it was Auburn. Might have been Auburn. But my point is, I think it was Auburn, by the way. I could be wrong. Point being, you get those teams at home. It's not to say they're not good, but those are games they, they've got to win. You can't, give, you can't be giving 
nice wins back in the form of losing games you're not supposed to. Even even if Buzz or anybody would argue, well, why are we supposed to? Well, you know, it's because of it's what you have to do. So two weeks ago, Georgia beat Auburn. Yeah. Recently, they've beaten Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Yeah. Who? Hopefully, are not good. Yeah. Ole Miss, Mississippi State got off to a really good start, but they weren't playing anyone. Um. Arkansas and Kentucky are the really interesting ones to me because you, because they're coming up on your schedule and they're on the road. Kentucky just took that they changed a lot they changed the narrative really quickly yeah. to go on the road and beat Tennessee like that and uh, they still got all that talent and then in the case of Arkansas they're really struggling right now but they've got injuries and they've got two of their you know really key players out. I don't know. Like, what are they going to look like when AM plays them in a couple weeks? So, yeah, it could change the narrative. But yeah. the bottom line is keep winning the games in front of you. Uh, Kane Egley at the News and Social Center. I know some text messages about basketball are popping in. Let's uh, see what uh, the people are saying. Give me one second while these load because my computer is just deciding to be slow this morning. And by the way, it's the A and B text line for those who don't know 979 693 1150. Okay. So, let me get this. So, Mike is saying if my memory serves, cur- if my. Me- Sorry, I am like yeah, scatterbrained right now. Wi- Man. Come on. Mike. Get it together, says. Dak. It's a jersey. <laughs> I, I, is it the I think it is the turning jersey. It over. That's what OB said this morning. I think it's just the jersey curse. I like the white cowboy jersey, though. Anyways, Mike says if memory serves, when Buzz came on the show, we needed to finish conference play plus three. Yeah, and that what that means is, and I forgot the exact explanation, but basically. You're, you win the games at home you're supposed to. you got to win like three games on the road and make sure you keep. Saying? Yeah, and you have to take care of business at home, obviously. You can't drop the ones you're expected to win when at home. When was he saying that? When I couldn't get my headphones going? No, or? it wasn't today. Oh, okay. And, and it was, I believe it was at a press conference, okay. to be honest. And then um, either Olin, I think Olin kind of explained what he was talking about. Okay. Um, so it was, it was about two weeks ago. But yeah, look, do what they've been doing. What's the next game in front of you? Treat it as such. Don't treat it like you treated the non-conference because they weren't ready to play in some of those games in the non-conference. And I think this is just, look, this is a, an example. And, and you, you, it's a different sport. Okay, so I'm not saying let's apply this to football. I think you apply it to football when you're trying to talk about, like, how you're winning games. If you're losing games early, you, you got a real problem. It's very difficult to recover from and, and come back. But, like, with football, when we're trying to figure out, hey, what does this O-line look like? Mm-hmm. What is, what is, you know, how's the new offense under Petrino coming? Is this defense under Durkin, is it improved? Is it going to be elite? You, it's kind of a, that first month of the season or so, you've got to really just kind of say, this is not what it's going to look like later, good or bad. Because if it's not good, you're going to start getting exposed more and more and, but it, it also could get, keep getting better and better. And if it does, you know, the key in September to me is just winning games in college football. Yeah. It doesn't – I mean, it does matter when you're playing like a really bad – but if you look at A&M's schedule next year, like Miami, Auburn, and Arkansas are in September, okay? Win all three of those games by a point – and don't try too much to figure out how that translates deeper in it because Arkansas and Auburn are legit SEC programs. Yeah. And, and so it's just a matter of just win those. It's different. But if you look at like Texas A&M baseball last year, 
and everyone wrote them off. They lost a pen in a series. They lost. They played really poorly Frisco up in series, Frisco. Yeah. Everyone wrote them off. Oh, and, and people were okay with it on a level because it was the first year under Slosh. That team had the best finish of any A&M baseball team ever in the history of this university. The best finish ever. They went to essentially the Final Four. They beat Texas in Omaha. They won a second game in Omaha. They won the SEC West. We can go down the list. Basketball is the same way. These sports are set up to where we need to be, I think, better at this desk and better fans as a collective to understand that you, let's wait and see. And, and we still have to do that because yeah. a 4 0 start, AM started 4 0 last year and they finished what, 8 and 8, well, 9 and 9 in the conference. Right. That's not going to get them there this year. Um, but also at the same time, understand that when, especially in the days of the transfer portal for baseball and basketball, it is going to take, in some instances, time for these teams to really gel and for you to, and, and But I think we've seen that from buzz teams especially. And for whatever reason, we have seen that from multiple buzz teams now. So to rule that out when they were getting beat by Murray State or Colorado and, and, and even Wofford and to say, man, this, this deal's done, I, I just think we need to be... I don't know about smarter is the word, but just more like patient, more not even patient, just more understanding of of history, not just with this coach, but with teams at A and M and with this with this sport. I remember watching the A and M team under uh, under Mark Turgeon that was like rolling in the non conference. I mean, rolling through, and then they ended up like a five hundred team in the conference, and then they ended up. Um, they almost knocked off UCLA to go to the, go to the Sweet 16 and, and had a clear path almost to a Final Four that year. And they were playing great basketball against Kevin Love and Westbrook. Yeah. And they almost beat them. Same thing with the Billy Kennedy team. I watched that team. Uh, it was the uh, Tyler Davis, Hogue, Rob Williams. It was that team, not the Caruso house team. They came out and beat... Huggy Bear in West Virginia by like 30. And then they went and beat USC and they beat somebody else good. And I think their only loss in the non-conference was a close one to Arizona in eight. And, and you're like, okay, this is a really good A&M basketball team right here. This is a real. Yeah. They ended up 500 in the conference, barely getting in. And again, we're like an eight or nine seed. And then they beat, you know, North Carolina by 21 and went. Basketball's weird. So you have to hang in. The thing I like about this team is I think they have things that, that, that can travel, things that can carry on deeper into the season. They've got, they've got veterans. They've got a, a true older leader by example and with his, you know, his energy and stuff and boots. They've got guys that have come back. You know, they're going to get Manny back eventually. Yep. So, you, you know, all of a sudden, things are going however they're going, and then they add this extra Another juice talent. of a guy that's been, you know, chomping at the bit to get back out there. They've got power inside and size in in uh, Marble and and uh, Henry. 
I mean, they got, I think they got dogs on the defensive end. It just the whole mentality that plays over the, that like that doesn't go away. You don't, that's not like hot shooting. Right. You know, that's not like one guy playing really good for a couple weeks. I think they got tone setters on that, on the defensive end led by Dexter Dennis. I think they've got a, uh, an elite player. I think they've got a pro in Wade Taylor. So I, man, this team is built to be really good. Yep. And I think it, it can get better actually. All right, let's hit a break here. Um, we'll come back with um, NFL talk. Christian Kirk, Mike Evans tonight, Cowboys playing, a lot, a lot to get into. But right now we are talking about Fargo's Pit Barbecue. They're in Bryan, 1701 South Texas Avenue in Bryan. They're open Tuesdays through Saturday. So they're not open today, but they are open tomorrow from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Call them up to get your order on, 979-778-3662. If you haven't been to that uh, Fargo's Pit Barbecue in, in the new location. You better start going there right now. Well, not today, but tomorrow. Go over there. Jump in the car and head over there because they're one of the top 50 barbecue joints in the world, according to Texas Monthly. And if you go there, you're going to find it's a small little place, but the, the food is so delicious. And I'm telling you, if you go for lunch or dinner Tuesday through Saturday, you're going to love it. There's the pit and everything else about Fargo's is fantastic. They taste so, so good. And they love what they're doing out there. The sauce is a secret. The taste is a secret, but it's so, so good. There's no secret how good it is. You got to jump on it call them up because those specials run out early maurice will take care of you on the phone and then when you show up go straight to the counter and ask for alan or belender tomorrow they got the rib tips only offered on tuesdays and saturdays once they're gone they are gone jump on it fargo 1701 south texas avenue in Bryan. without a doubt the best barbecue in town that's their trademark because it's so true it is fargo's in Bryan. go check it out and we're back texas radio presented by david gardner's jewelers here in the rollo insurance studio appreciate everybody listening in the uh, number here is 979-693-1150, 979-693-1150. Tonight, the Cowboys take on the Bucks. Tom Brady versus Dak. Mike Evans hopefully uh, makes an appearance. I know for OB, this is a tough one. Well, no, it's not tough. He wants his Cowboys to win. Uh, love to see Tom Brady at an elite level, and I, I like seeing the Cowboys do well. My hatred for the Cowboys has gone way down over yeah, the too. last few years. Um, I just still am not a Jerry fan plastic man drives me nuts but um i don't root against dak yeah. uh i think he's a good quarterback that people want really bad to be great but i do think he could have a great game in him mm -hmm. so if they ever do make i think he can play a couple great games he's never done them at the exact right time i, I know the turnover mistakes are just maddening and look this is not a flawless cowboy team but man there's just something about me that doesn't fully trust Jalen Hurts and the Eagles or the Niners I could see the Giants getting the Eagles next week I could see Dane the Cowboys I could see the Cowboys getting the Niners if given the chance but Niners to me look the strongest but they've got a rookie quarterback and you and I know they're doing a great job of making him look really good in their elite, elite, elite defensively. To me, they're the pick right now, but I, I don't think it's this massive gap in, in the NFC. And then in the AFC, and man, I still think, I still think the Chiefs get it best. done with Mahomes yeah. I, I, and Andy Reid and Kelsey and that combo. I, I just think they, they outlast everybody. How about the Dolphins yesterday? Oh, man. Did you see the... Coach didn't realize. I don't know. I don't know how that happens. I know he. Yeah. What was his name McDaniel? McDaniel. Yeah. yeah. Like he thought it was a first down. It was a fourth and fourth and six. Was it? Yeah. Um, just 
ridiculous. Just taking deep shot down there. Is that what you're talking about? No, just the, the, he got oh, took the, the penalty. Yeah. yeah, the penalty yeah. And, and whatnot. So just uh, was it fourth and one and it became fourth and six? It Is was that fourth what it was? and one and yeah. they, they threw a deep the deep ball when the guy called a timeout. Yeah. And they took the penalty. They said he was hitting his vape pen over there. Uh, and it looked like it. Um, no, I, NFL was fun this weekend. It was some fun. I, I mean, see Christian Kirk and the Jags make that comeback on the Chargers. Um, and then I think tonight's game will be good. Yeah, I, the Bucks I, seem to be playing as good as they can. And they not, haven't been good all year, right? No, like, they're they're not a they're not a long term in the playoffs. They're not going to win a Super Bowl. No, if they but, beat the Cowboys, they're not going to keep going. They could win tonight. This yeah. is going to be a good game, I think. At, at home, yeah. And it seems like Mike and Tom have kind of recalibrated their their chemistry. We'll see. Yeah, I'd love to see it. I mean, I I, I do remember Mike saying to me. He was here for the Johnny's, or no, I say Johnny's. It was I think it was Johnny's Netflix thing, but it was he and my he and Johnny went to the Hall of Fame together. He was here that weekend, and he remember him telling me, "Yeah, I think we'll, I think we'll beat Dallas." They were playing him in the first game. I said, "Why?" He said, "He was like, I just I think we have a great game plan against them." He's like, "I think," I think uh, he's like, "I feel really good." Like, we'll, and you just wonder if that is a, if that was how he felt just that week. Mm-hmm. Or if that is a you know, the matchups make the games. You know, I, mean, I wonder if they, their staff thinks they match up well against that cowboy their offense versus that cowboy defense. So I, I don't know what that was. I just found that was interesting, and then they sure enough went out there and and did it uh, a week later. All right, let's hit a break here. We'll come back uh, with uh, some college football talk to get into but right now we're talking about the association of former students they've been around for 140 years and your financial gifts have empowered them to help out the aggie network all around the globe Um, that's what the association has done for such a long time they gave the gift uh, of aggie park to this great university just last season and uh, they continue to gift and they give in multiple ways they uh, give to current students and former students that is what they're about, and that's why they want you to kind of feel their their passion by checking out IamTheWhy.com. Now, IamTheWhy.com is a story about Aggies all around the world, and you can upload your story as well. It's just a place to check out some cool human interest stories about what it's like to be an Aggie through their lens and just different unique stories that you haven't seen before. Um, and it's just a cool place to go and absorb being an Aggie in this Aggie network. Again, that website is IamTheWhy.com. I am thewide.com it is the association of former students it's the one show in the world the top seggy f- tech sags radio presented by david gardner's jewelers in the rollo insurance studio hour number three segment number three here with billy lucci on the program all right billy um you know a lot of people are wondering what's going to happen with anaya smith Any- a lot of people are wondering about that shirt really are you getting some text messages about it no oh, brawny Look. Okay, wait, wait. Okay, yeah. He said he thinks, uh-huh. he really believes that you're trying to make some sort of statement with that shirt. What statement would I make? I don't know, David. I know you. You're not a statement. It's I'm a new fashion a trend. I think you're. I don't, I don't, I don't think he lie. does that, though. <laughs> I don't think Nuno puts something on and says, I'm going to make a statement today. I just, I'm, I've got I your just back. Wear on clothes, this one. you know, like. But that's what. Bronny. Bronny's take on, yes. on your clothes. When I don't know, I'm trying to think of somebody that would like like some when right. Buzz comes at me because mm-hmm. Buzz can dress right. Mm-hmm. We give Buzz that he can dress. Yeah, yeah. Then I'd be like, oh man, I gotta rethink it. But when Bronny comes at me, I'm good. Like I'm I'm all right. I'll, it's almost like a compliment. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I don't I don't expect you to wear this. Yeah, there's certain people I don't expect you to. You what know, what would you expect him to wear? 
I don't know, and like a, what do you call it, those Under Armour, like dry fit, dry fit yeah. under his shirt kind of look and, you know, a hat backwards and some baseball shorts, you know, shorts that baseball coaches would wear. That's what I picture. I don't think any baseball coach is wearing the shorts he wears. I think uh, he just, what I always say, Bronny looks like he's going to leave here and go hit Fungo. That's it. Just straight from here to hit Fungo. Fungo Bronny. Uh, all right. So what is, what are you hearing about Anais? Anything? Uh, no, but I, well, a little bit. Yeah. There, there's positive momentum? buzz. Okay. Positive. I don't know if you say momentum. Uh, like it's not like back. I, I think people are feeling a lot. Uh, there, there seems to be a lot of optimism of a, of a return for Sub-Zero, which and I talked to a couple of people even today about it. But if, if, uh, Owen just texted me a saddle. I don't even know what that, what does that mean? He's listening. A saddle. That shirt's not. I know. I'm just saying, like, the Cowboys wear this kind of shirt. Ron, I don't know. Um, I don't think Cowboys wear that shirt. <laughs> uh, Miami Cowboys. No, hearing good things, you know, people I even talked to today said they, you know, nothing's for sure, but they feel, they feel positive about it. There's a lot of optimism, Good. which would be, we'll talk about it more if it happens, but it would be, it would go without saying how important and significant it would be in a lot of ways. Nuno, like when you, we're going to interview Damani today, either Kennedy or I, uh, myself or Kennedy, but if you, Damani Richardson, a senior in Edger and Cooper, Layden Robinson, Anaya Smith, a, Max Johnson, a uh, Fidel Diggs coming back defensively over there on that D line, and it just a lot of of real experience returning on this football team. And what I think a lot of leadership and some most of the every one of those guys mm -hmm. I mentioned, you're talking about, and I'm not even talking about guys like Fathery, Foster, Chappelle these guys that are now going to be like third-year starters and things like that. But I'm just talking veterans that have been through it and guys that have proven that they can be real positive influences in the locker room and, and leaders. And, and I think you're get, starting to get that. If you could get Anias, man, that, that's that. He, he brings that in spades. And then that versatility in Bobby Petrino's offense and what he can do. You do have a situation at running back that, we don't talk about enough. It, mm -hmm. It's th you have three scholarship backs, and you just change position coaches. So who even knows how those three guys feel? Right. And, and I'm not. I don't think it's. I think it's one of those things that everybody checks social media. Oh my god. Oh my god. They didn't respond. Nobody wants this. I mean, sometimes you want to see a coach leave, but it's not often. Uh, and Tommy Robinson was well liked, so you saw that on on social media in in the immediate. But what people don't understand is, then they sit down with the new hire. They talk to him. Uh, they understand how their role is going to change and evolve under Petrino and with the new coach. And you've got to factor in that guy's resume and his personality. So that, my point, though, is you are in a transition there. Even with those three guys, Anaya Smith in his versatility gives you this mega mm -hmm. security blanket in terms of, hey, if we have an issue at running back, he can really help. Or – we can do a lot of two backs with him and slot, kind of like what they wanted to do last year, what they did earlier in his career, what they did sometimes with A-Chain. Uh, Anias is 
I think he's the ultimate SEC Swiss Army knife. Yeah. He really is. And, and I hope he comes back. I'm going to support Anias no matter what, but I just think he has a lot that he can gain with a healthy senior season because of the way last year was cut off. So a question came on the show earlier, and they said, and I think it was on the YouTube page, but basically like, I want Anias to come back, but that's going to cut into Moose's receptions. I don't think so. No. Not necessarily. I think there, there's enough receptions out there if this team steps up their offensive game. Anias, Evan, Moose, Noah. Mm -hmm. I mean, first of all, I keep saying that receiver is a pretty dire need in the portal. A lot of that has to do with Anaya Smith. If if he comes back, it becomes far less of a need. I still think they could do with getting another, almost like a replacement for Chris Marshall. Okay, Chris Marshall. No, like just a uh, no, Chris Marshall. I think they got enough Chase type guys. Uh, you know, like Chase. I think he's going to do really good at Georgia Tech, but I think Chase Moose. Uh, Anias, even Evan, I think, could even thrive as, as more of an inside guy, mm -hmm. but uh, Evan can do anything. But I still think you need, like, I would like to see them add a big outside guy to go with it all uh, and have him and, him and Noah. Because then, who, A, whoever rises to the top, B, in case somebody, you know, one of the two's banged up, you don't have to lose that element of your game. Uh, so I, I would like to see them still go out and get somebody like that. But, I mean, just from the standpoint of, damn, if Anais came back, I'd feel really good about their four receivers. I'd feel so much better about running back in mm -hmm. case of emergency. Um, I love what they've got at QB with Connor and Max. Tight end, I'm, I really love. Yeah. By the way, Blake Smith transferred to OU today. That's the first surprising take in terms of, most of these guys are going to a lower level mm -hmm. of not of football, but just like they're, they're going down a run. And I think it's smart for a lot of them because it didn't work the way you wanted it to on your first up. So now you go recalibrate and try to find a, a, a better opportunity for you to get out there and show what you can do. The young kids that are really talented, they got in trouble, are kind of going equal. You look at Lucas at USC and Denver at LSU and even – even uh, Chris at Ole Miss, you, you know, you got to say Ole Miss is on the level, unfortunately, because they've beaten you the last two mm -hmm. years. But those kids were in, were in, were in trouble, and that's, that's why they're gone. Um, in terms of, of some, most of the other guys, they're going down a level. Blake Smith, to me, is the one guy that, that hasn't done that in going to OU. It's interesting, because I, I always thought Blake could play but he just would get beat out by guys out. here. Yeah. Just did. And, and, but I think he can play. So, I, oh, OU, it'll, it'll be interesting to see their tight end room and what they can do with him. He, he's one that I, I think, man, I'd keep an eye on him and see if he can be a player there or not. Yeah, I'm trying to think other guys that left last year didn't do much, right? Like Caleb didn't do much with, um, with Oregon. Zach didn't. Yeah. Tweets about A&M a lot. Yeah. Um, which is you know disappointing to see how much he does that. Um, and these guys that go and do that, I, I just wish they understood how much it hurts. Them. And I, we've seen three or four of them do it lately. How much it, maybe they don't care. 
but how much it hurts them in the eyes of, of Aggies and 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 AM fans and and I think really successful Aggies in this state that would kind of you know if push comes to shove a few years from now and you're not playing football oh, yeah I remember you and you won that big game or you were a great representative of AM while you were here and man was rooting for you you know when you left and man you, you start social media people don't realize it in the heat of the moment you start closing doors and there's no there's no need to there's no reason to and that even goes if you don't like if you didn't like Jimbo or you don't like your position coach or you don't well, you know whatever but there's no reason to do that with an entire fan base that is an alumni group of a half a million people that you've kind of got at your fingertip. And there's no reason to say, eh, no, I'm going to throw that aside. Yeah, just, oh, oh, quiet. just to say something on Twitter one time and, and kind of, you know, do some cryptic tweet that has no long-term effect on anybody except yourself potentially. So um, anyway, rant back to what I was saying, the A&M offense, if you can bring back Anias, I, I I really, that's a hell of a lot for Bobby Petrino to work with, tight end. We forget, like, I say they only have three running backs, but it's Le'Veon Moss, Amari Daniels, and the five-star signing in Ruben Owens. <laughs> Legit. Yeah, like Moss, they think, can be the real deal. But then Daniels looked really good in limited opportunities against teams like Auburn and LSU down the stretch. Uh, that O-line will be the big question. And it's so fascinating to me. Because you're going into year two. I know everybody's – I believe they're going into year two Adazio. under Adazio. Yep. Uh, we saw year one to year two under Henson. It, it, it a lot of times does happen that way, not to mention the injuries they suffered last year. But you will return all five starters. Let's call Bryce Foster your starting center. You return all five starters that ended last season. But then you have Wyckoff, who started mm – -hmm probably nine games, maybe eight, nine games. Aki, who started probably eight or nine games in his career. Moko. Moko, who was playing at least 50% of the time there early in the season before mm -hmm. he got hurt, and by all accounts, getting a lot better. Zoon, who played hurt all, all year, year in year one as a starter, and, and now he's back for year two, should be a different dude. But, but those three are in addition to five returning starters. Then you have Naboo, who started a game or two, who they're really excited mm -hmm. about. And, and then you have the whole thing about, you know, hey, here's Fathery in year three. Here's Bryce back. Uh, here's Zoon with a year of starting experience under his belt, the highs and lows of it all, and hopefully healthy. O-line's in, 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 in crown over. Where does his development go? Yeah. Because he wasn't ready to play last year. He contributed, but he wasn't ready. You know, but, he's man, he's a talent. So, O-line – and again, we saw it last year. We saw it in 2020. We saw it in, you know, 2012. In the SEC, you tend to go how your O-line goes as an offense. Yeah. And not to say you have to be elite to be good, but if you're inconsistent, if you're bad up front, you're typically going to kind of be inconsistent. You're going to ride on the, how you're, the scheme that particular week, the game plan versus the matchup, and so it's going to be like this. If you're really strong up front, it's going to be consistent every week. Yeah, but we'll see. 
Listen to I, like, I like what they got on offense, dude. All right, we'll get to our, the AMB text line when we come back. Right now, we're talking Coach DeVita. So, uh, Holly reached out to me this weekend, and she's excited that uh, they're going to bring back some awesome breakfast taco menu items that they haven't had in a while. So, uh, they're bringing back some previous options. And her favorite is the machaca and also brand new taco coming soon. The machaca is sauteed jalapenos and onions scrambled uh, into the eggs and served with their barbacoa-style beef. Um, by the way, uh, they're going to be hanging out at Bonfire this Saturday, so come out and see the, the burn with them. They're going to be hooking everybody up there at, at uh, Bonfire. So awesome stuff there at Costa Vida. They're in South College Station. If you haven't been recently, you're, you're, you're missing out. Great quesadillas, great breakfast tacos, great food. Uh, Holly's a great Aggie who just loves, uh, you know, just the restaurant business. That's why she brought it here to College Station, and it's thriving here. It's such great food, sweet pork quesadillas, the shrimp taco, mango salsa, so many different things. Go check it out. It is a wonderful food there in South College Station. It is Costa Vida. Tex-Hex Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. The last segment of the program, uh, Kay Nagley is at the News and Social Center. There's only one other text message basketball-wise, Kay, that came in. I'm going to let you read Tayag and Taylor's, and uh, we'll close up with that and some uh, final thoughts here as uh, we go into a Tuesday. So, Kay, what do we got? Tayag and Taylor said, Cause last, could last year's rejection from the committee and their performance after that play into the favor of this year's team with the committee consideration. I don't know. I, I would say probably not, but maybe like if, if if they are right on that cut line again, maybe. But I think it's totally different. I think for A and M to get in this time, it's probably going to be how they perform in the conference. Yep. Whereas last year they would say, "Well, you lost eight in a row in the conference." And for A&M to get to, I guess technically they could lose eight in a row and win four more at the end and, and you know, finish. You know, but you're not going to – no. For them to get where they need to get this year in conference to overcome that non-conference, I think you're not going to have this, this thing that was held against them. Like their non-conference schedule will not be held against them like that eight-game losing streak was if they could get to – 12 and 6 and especially 13 and 5. It will especially if they're at 13 and 5 and they're in like third or fourth in a league that's going to get They're getting in. Five, yeah. Yeah. So it the the eight game losing streak seemed to be what at no for and I think it was flawed logic. But that's what no one could get. Yeah, I think that's what kept them out last year ultimately, which again, I disagree with. But I think that's what kept them out. There are other good basketball teams. And they're not and their lack of non-conference schedule is what kind of the message that Buzz reluctantly received, and that's why they scheduled the way they did this year, where it's a lot uh, friendlier for them. to. It'll be looked at as a better schedule. There are other good basketball teams that have lost, lost games that they shouldn't, that they've been able to make the tournament, yeah, overcome for it. Sure, so for sure. just take care of business and conference play. You should be no fine. Doubt. All right, that's going to do it. Billy, thank you, sir. All right, Dave. Uh, our thanks thank to uh, Tom Hart, Buzz Williams. I like that uh, fitness part of that conversation. Uh, we also had OB on. That was good stuff. Tomorrow on the program, it is going to be a Tuesday. So that means we'll have Jump uh, Iglesi on the program to chat with John. And Coach Henry will be in studio as well. All right, that's going to do it for Tech Radio here on a Monday for Kay Nagley. We like Kay. For uh, Nick Savage behind the glass, even when he's grumpy. Richard Zane, who's out there. Jamie, Dalton, everybody. That's going to do it. We're going to see you all. Mañana. Oh, thanks, Sean. <laughs>